welcome to this episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. Today we have a wonderful episode because we're going to be drafting horror comedies with a fantastic guest. But before we get to him, a little bit of business up top. All right, last episode we drafted horror heroes. We've gotten some feedback from folks. Uh, uh, host Nick, we heard back from our uh, one of our previous guests, Nick Perry, who was on the Halloween episode. Loved the episode, but thought too many of them were actually survivors and not heroes. And he wants to come back for part two. Oh, awesome! Okay, yeah. So Let's I'm thinking it. if we do it, we draft again, but we can't take anybody that got taken in the first. Oh my the god! First it go was round. <laughs> so hard to just come up with those ones, but okay, yeah. Right, that's how I, like I that's how I think we should set it up if we're gonna do like a re like a, a second go round of it. I think that probably makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah. All I right. did tell him that you might have a conniption because you had such trouble finding fifteen to begin with. So I had exactly fifteen, <laughs> and it was a it was a real struggle. So we'll yeah. see. The other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, <laughs> nobody drafted or even mentioned Tommy Jarvis in our uh, honorable mentions after the draft either. Um, I think some people were maybe a little surprised by that. Uh, I, I didn't find it too surprising because I think he's a good hero in four. He's kind of a nothing in five. And as much as I love Friday the 13th part six, I mean, he arguably does the worst possible thing he could and resurrects Jason in that movie. So that's why he couldn't make my list uh, at all. So in case anyone was wondering why Tommy Jarvis wasn't in it, that, that I think that's... Uh, explanation enough but anyway enough of my rambling enough of this stupid business to get done at the beginning of the podcast let me get to the most important thing we're going to talk about today and that's our guest ladies and gentlemen he's a writer editor dp and director whose short films have won so many awards at film festivals i don't have nearly enough time to mention them He's written, shot, edited, and directed numerous projects for UCB, and his other work in the film and TV industry has appeared on MTV, People Magazine, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and NBC Sports. He also recently DP'd his first feature film and is the co-host of the IGTV show Trailer Trash, and perhaps most importantly for our podcast, he was an actor in a big-time horror movie, My Soul to Take, directed by Wes Craven. It's the amazing Matt Bronsdorf. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Well, hello, hello. Excuse me a moment. I have to brush my shoulders off uh, <laughs> with that lovely introduction you gave me. Uh, I feel like, you know, you were lacking in some of the very important details, but I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I can oh, be humble. Okay. I can be bitter, but humble. Yes. Well, please correct me. What did I? What did? Oh I no, I'm, just being, a, I'm okay. just being a jackass. <laughs> no, no, you made me. You, you made me. You made me sound more impressive than perhaps I, I view myself, and and that's that's lovely. I, my heart is my heart is warmed. The cockles of my heart are warm. Well, good. I'm glad your cockles are warmed, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's hogwash that I make you feel better than you are. You are a. Uh, uh, all of these amazing things that I've just described in your introduction, and we are very fortunate to have you here. Uh, I got to start off just, you, you were in my soul to take, and you're pro like featured in the trailer even. This so is what true. Was, what was that experience like? Uh, I mean, honestly, one of the most fun experiences I've ever had on a movie set. However, uh, it must be stated that I'm not, I don't have a speaking role. I'm, I'm a featured extra. Uh, hey. in, in the credits, I was teen at fire number 10. <laughs> Which actually was only on IMDb. I'm not even in the end credit role of the actual movie. <laughs> and I was on IMDb for a while, and then they removed that credit after a few years, and I was like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> what? That's weird. But no, it was, it was, it was fun. Um, 
so that shot in Connecticut, actually in, in my hometown. Um, so I sort of like weaseled my way into it that way because at the time I was one of uh, those young 20-somethings that could pass for a teenager. Um, and they didn't, you know, they needed local people. Uh, and it was just five days out in the woods. Um, it's one of the earlier scenes in the movie where they're, you know, every year they go back to this location where there was an ambulance crash and the killer, like, got out. And I honestly don't even remember the killer's name at this point. Um, but, River you know, to they, Ripper. Oh, yes, the River to... Yeah. Th that's right, the Ripper, the Ripper. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, um, what is interesting is that... Uh, I was there for that initial week and we shot that big huge scene and all the teens were like, you know, calling and invoking the Ripper's name on the anniversary of his escape from the ambulance or whatever. Um, and then a few months later, uh, they called me back for reshoots because they wanted to reshoot that whole opening. And they had this like big puppet of the Ripper in the first scene. Um, and the one that we shot with initially was this weird, you know, it had like garbage can lids and like big googly eyes and it looked like really kind of stupid but like fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when we came back for the reshoots, it seemed like that was the big thing that they were changing was that the big puppet that they brought out then looked spooky. It looked like uh, like The Undertaker or something like that from uh, WWE. It was WWF at the time, but now it's E. I don't know anything about wrestling. Um uh, so yeah, so I, I I came back for the reshoots because I was like, I'm not going to get cut out of this movie. So yes, I'll come back. And yeah, it's it's nice that my my face is in the trailer I, again. Not a speaking role, but uh, it was fun. Oh, and Wes Craven, delightful. Shook my hand, said hello, introduced himself, and everything like that. And uh, had one of my favorite like seeing a real director do it moments, hmm. where you know they were they were in the middle of a directing a scene, and and the lead was. Uh, looking at like the girl lead in the movie and Wes just like leaned in and went, don't forget you're in love with her. And then just lean back out. <laughs> it's like, nice, nice, cool. So you can, you can direct while you're shooting. Love it. Way to go, Wes. That's great. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So that was fun. That's great. That's awesome, man. Yeah. We're well, um, one of the things that I was most, uh, I enjoyed most of, of your work. I've, I've seen a bunch of your, uh, uh, short films and in fact some of them are like easily available to folks they're on like amazon prime that they can go and check out heck like yeah uber uber x right and then mm -hmm. what other ones might be up there my uh, uh i think uber x is the only one that we have on uh amazon prime right now oh, everything okay. else everything else is on you know vimeo and youtube okay gotcha yeah but um you uh shot and edited and directed i believe uh draftsville for nbc sports the like friday night lights parody uh, which was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed those ones than you did them. I, I uh, yeah, there's two seasons of Draftsville, which I guess is kind of funny um, that I'm now here on a, a show about drafting. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I shot and edited the first season. Mm -hmm. um, and then a couple of years later, when the second season was being, it was in prep, um, the director of season one wasn't available. And the producer asked me, like, do you have any recommendations of who could direct the second season? I was like, um, why not me? <laughs> I shot the first season and I edited it. I know the show pretty well. And she's like, you know what? That's a great idea. And that's how I got the job. So then that's I directed awesome. I directed season two. No knowledge of football whatsoever. <laughs> but but I know people, okay? I know people. You don't need to know football. It's just window dressing, all right? It's all about what's happening on the inside of their hearts and their minds. 
<laughs> nice. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And that, you know what? I wasn't. I I literally wasn't even thinking about how it relates to our podcast about drafting things. Uh, I literally, it was just like so such a funny premise, and uh, they were just like great, you know, satires of, of Friday Night Lights and and stuff. And I, I really enjoyed them. And yeah, perfect, uh, perfect harmony there. The my soul to take and and draftsville perfectly melding the two things that this podcast does. This is why you're the perfect guest, Matt. So thank you so much for being on the pod. Well, thank you very uh, much. Uh, I, I do. I, I want to get if if I if I may get a little yeah. business out of the way. Uh, yes. On your on your I believe it was your, your last episode where you talked about horror heroes. My name was invoked in a, in a somewhat unsavory <laughs> nature, uh, and I just want to I just want to clear it up for the record that I did not force myself upon the Parkhurst and the Oriana. Uh, I merely saw that they were doing a show about 90s action cinema, which if I'm an expert about anything, I feel like I'm an expert about 90s action cinema. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was just like, that sounds like a great show. I would love to be on it if I could be so honored. Yeah, I was merely submitting a request. I was yeah. not foisting myself. I was not trying to be gauche, uh, as was mentioned <laughs> on the previous episode. And I do want to say a few episodes prior to that, when you guys were talking about um, horror directors. Mm-hmm. Your guest on that show was like, "Yeah, if you want to be on a show, man, you got to ask. You got to request." And I was like, "Thank you very much. <laughs> I feel validated." So let me let me point out the the gauche comment. I also really wanted to be on their podcast, and so that <laughs> I was setting it up as the bit. Like I would never invite myself. Well, especially when they said inviting yourself on, I was like, "Oh yeah, 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 that definitely is." I had no idea that they were going to mention that you had invited. I had no idea that you had made the gentle suggestion that perhaps you could come on an episode in the future. Or anything uh, well, like that. Uh, to be to be fair, I don't do anything gently, so maybe yeah, I might have been a little pushy. <laughs> But I'd like to think it's just that I'm overzealous. And what's wrong with that? Of course. The only way you get anything done in this life is by being overzealous. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the Bronsdorf energy that everyone loves and brings a smile to everybody's face when you enter the room, Maddie. So we we love having you on here with us. Thank you. I I would argue that everyone tolerates it. I don't know if everyone loves it, but everyone (laughs) tolerates it. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, let let's keep this fun energy going maddie you know what we do on this pod what do you what have you been watching consuming lately that you would recommend to people um well i have a uh i was gonna pull up my letterbox but i don't want to screw with the recording um <laughs> uh, because we're talking about horror films uh just the other night i showed one of my best friends in the whole world one of what i think is one of the best movies that's been made in the last 10 years if not ever in the horror genre and that's the movie crawl And I think Crawl is stupendous. I'd give it five stars across the board. There's not a bad thing I could say about it. It's so tightly written and it's, it's, it's like a little perfectly constructed machine of a movie while still having at at its base a very strong heartfelt story about a father and a daughter reconciling, uh, while being stuck in a house in the middle of a hurricane and there's alligators in the house. And I think it's also one of those beautiful movies, the, the, the beautiful type of monster movie that I enjoy, where if you step back and look at it from the macro perspective, um, and look at like the metaphors of the whole thing, you know, the movie takes place in this house that was the childhood home where they, you know, 
the father and daughter became a family with, you know, the sister and the mother. Um, and it's now been abandoned because there's been a divorce. And what has festered inside is, you know, the animosity that they feel towards one another that is now manifested metaphorically in the form of these alligators. So the only way that they can get over their shit is to survive the house, to survive the alligators. And by the end of it, when they've reached the roof, everything's good. They love each other. So... I could talk about everything else, but I just want to talk about crawl. I could talk, we, we could, you know, honestly, if you don't even want to do this, we could just talk about crawl for the next 90 minutes. <laughs> no, I love it, you know, and I didn't even, I, I enjoyed the movie. I loved it a lot. I wasn't even putting together the, the, the whole, you know, metaphor with the house and the divorce and everything, it, but, but you did so, so brilliantly. So thank you. We appreciate that. I had some practice because Ryan and I talked about it for an hour and a half after the movie was over because <laughs> he, my, my friend Ryan, who, you know, I don't think this is a disservice to who he is is very uh, picky with his choices very particular and as soon as it was over it, he like applauded he's like that was fantastic I honestly masterpiece and I was like oh my god thank god <laughs> that oh, is high great. praise that's so good. there I also saw the original Dune by David Lynch which I think people shit way too much on I really enjoyed it but also I haven't read the book so who, who knows gotcha. my opinion could mean nothing that's two dunes ending up in the recommendations here in like uh, the past three or four episodes here. Because uh, sure. uh, Chapin was reading the the book, so ah uh, yes, not the not the David Lynch film. So I guess two separate versions of Dune. There yes, uh, uh, Nick. Oh no, go ahead, Matt. No, I was going to say, and 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 you yourselves, oh, what do you oh, recommend? Yeah, yeah, Nick. What do you what do you got, man? That you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I haven't really had a chance to when whenever we last recorded um i don't think i've seen a single movie since then but we started or i started um against my better judgment i was really trying to avoid squid game because of all the hype um but i started it and it's it 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 really deserves all that hype and and my i restarted it i was like halfway through the season and restarted it with my wife who's also addicted now so yep uh it's i mean i don't know it's kind of it, i've seen it classified as horror i wouldn't call it horror myself but there's definitely horrific elements to it all over the place and it's dark and it's uh um i just love the production design honestly i i thought the production design was was is so far as like the most really the most mind-blowing part of that show um the set design in particular and i know some of it is cg and and not practical but uh i think they they use the CD sparingly enough that it works really well. Nice. That, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't watched that yet myself. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it looks great. It looks like it would be right at my alley, but it's, uh, it's not a show that my partner would be interested in. So, uh, I have to, I have to find time to watch it on my own, on my own time. Yeah. 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 Understood. Would, yeah. Which is what I had to do myself. Uh, yeah. Cause it, I, I gave it a while before I watched it too. And then once I started, I was like, Oh yeah, this is really really good and yeah. so it was a lot of staying up later than i probably should have to watch it at night and uh and finish it up after sarah kind of bed it's funny too because you know there's been so many different books and movies and shows and stuff who have tackled this sort of like competing to survive and be the last one sort of thing uh from hunger games to battle royale to you know whatever um so it's funny that like it still feels like so good and not like it's just retreading the same territory over and over that so many others have um i mean it is but it also doesn't feel like it is so i i i give it a lot of credit in that regard i think they both do uh well <clears throat> both i have not seen or read hunger games um 
but Battle Royale is like one of my favorites, and I think mm-hmm. <clears throat> certainly that movie, and I, I I know it's based on a novel, which I also have not read, but that movie um, has a lot of like pretty, uh, I think pretty on the nose social commentary going on. I mean, mm-hmm. for Japanese culture, it doesn't really apply here, I don't think, but Squid Game also, like in terms of the socioeconomic, socio socioeconomic, it's a tough one, socioeconomic. Um, there's a <laughs> lot of um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of social commentary in that in that show that I think, based on the hype that I had been reading about, like no one had mentioned that, and like I feel like I would have started the show much earlier if I'd mm. realized that there was like more substance to it than just like the battle royale sort of ripoff idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it, it, it's done really well, and like the characters are super well developed and likable, and yeah, recommend it. For, uh, I just want to jump in. Uh, so battle royale, I've seen it, but I don't think I've seen it. Uh, I watched it in college, and we're me and my friends are pretty sure that by halfway by the halfway point, the subtitles were like some bootleg subtitles because there there was many points where it was like that doesn't seem like a normal thing for anyone to say even in a, even with the cultural differences that seems strange, and then by the time they got to the end of the movie, one of the characters in the subtitles said, "Everyone watching this must be scribble," and yeah, I think at that point we were like. I don't think these subtitles are actually accurate to anything that happened in this movie. <laughs> yeah, you might have. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, that, that doesn't ring a bell. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense because our early years in high school, I don't think, I mean, college, excuse me, I don't think it was available over here. I think it was only bootlegs. When I first saw sense. it, it was an, yeah, my friend had bought, it was in high school, my friend had, it was a legit, it wasn't a bootleg, he bought an imported copy. Uh, we watched it on like a region free player, but the subtitles obviously did not translate perfectly. Yeah, um, I think, I think that's exactly what we had as well. It was just like some bootleg that somebody had and we had a region free player or something like that. Gotcha. But yeah, uh, look, Battle Royale, Squid Game, Hunger Games, Series 7, all of them are fine. Not a single one is The Running Man. That's what I'll say. (laughs) Valid point. (laughs) I Uh, haven't finished Squid Game yet. I mean, Schwarzenegger could show up in like the last few episodes and be pretty awesome. That's the only way it could get better. I came here because you said the dude was going to be squid. I only (laughs) see octopuses and people. What the hell? (laughs) Fuck you. There it is. (laughs) <laughs> it's the only way to make this show better. The show writes itself. <laughs> and you just gotta throw in those one-liners he did, like in Running Man. Yeah, he's like, "Here, Sub Zero, now Plane Zero." <laughs> I was just gonna say you can't come up with a worse one <laughs> than that one. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, just, uh, what? What? One more. Sorry, one more. One more. Go for uh, it. Uh, the best line in the whole movie is he's like. And the bad guy's drinking something. He's like, oh, there's soda's filling. And he goes, well, I hope you left enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine. <laughs> uh, there, I promise. That's it. Moratorium on Arnold voice. I won't do it again. No, I, I like it, man. I, I like, uh, you know, we haven't had any impressions yet on this podcast, but I say bring them on, you know. Sure. I'm not good at impressions, but I like doing them because I mostly just hate my own voice. And I got to say... <laughs> Doing this podcast and editing it has made me hate my voice even more. <laughs> so maybe I should just put on an impression uh, do, do for the rest of the episode or something. If you could uh, do Bernie Sanders for the rest of the show, I would I would be very behind that. Look, we're talking the top 1% of the 1% of all comedies. Okay, that's what's going to get drafted at this episode. 
of the Horror Draft Podcast. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't believe. I don't believe that was a very good, very good impression. Thank you very much. So Thank good. you. I appreciate. Okay. I don't think. I don't think any of mine. Are, no, I, I was gonna say I don't think any of mine are good, but I'm gonna amend that. I think I do one actually like decent, good impression. The rest of mine are just like silly and ridiculous. Uh, do either of you watch Ted Lasso? Oh yeah, I have not seen it. Okay. I don't have Apple TV Plus. Oh, okay. So, well, this will, I guess, just be for you, Nick. But I do feel like I do a decent Roy Kent. Oh, not, do it. I want to hear it. Not, okay. <laughs> not Brett Goldstein, the actor, who doesn't, because it's different than his voice, but... Gilly, you're fucking amazing, babe. And anybody who can't see that can go fuck themselves. That is solid. That's really good. Okay. Thank yeah, you. I hear Thank it. you. I, hear I was really surprised. I was just, I have a long commute. So sometimes I'll talk to myself on the road. And I was just, I'd been watching Ted Lasso. And I was like, just went into a Roy Kent. And I was really surprised how like quickly I could get into it. And I was very surprised by it. Because I can't do like anyone else on that show. But that, that I think is like my one okay impression. It was, no, I, was I haven't seen the show, but it's highly accurate. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Gosh, well, I, you know what? Um, the only horror thing related that I've watched uh, is uh, my the, the 4K of Scream finally came out. Oh, so nice. I threw that on and rewatched it uh, over the weekend. Um, Sarah was out of town, so I was up late Saturday night putting this basement that I'm now in back together because the contractors are finally finished. So I was like <laughs> setting the TV up and all the electronics and putting the treadmill back together and all that jazz. So um watched it beautiful i love that movie i could watch it freaking thousand more times i love scream so much it's a masterpiece um, it is it truly is um i don't know I, again i don't have nothing more to say about it it's just so perfect and uh without further ado let's get into the topic we're drafting we're drafting horror comedies on this podcast now i gotta know what you two think about horror comedies and what you define a horror comedy as because i think this is going to be the most subjective draft we've ever done horror is very subjective comedy is very subjective smash them together we've got a super subjective draft and commissioner status ladies and gentlemen rests with our guest mr matt bronsworth he has the power to say yay or nay to any of our picks so matt tell us what is horror comedies in your mind well, to quote one of the greatest on-screen characters of all time, Emperor Palpatine, thank you so much for this unlimited power! <laughs> uh, I might ruin you know what? the day I, I, we gave it to you. <laughs> I, I, have, I certainly have an opinion about horror comedies, but I, I do want to say this. While I am the commissioner, uh, and I, uh, you have given me all the power, I, I also know as an excellent leader that I have dubbed myself, know when to... Let others who are greater than myself speak. And I actually want to hear what Nick has to say because it has been widely known and widely reported that Nick is funnier than anyone else I've ever met in my life. So, Nick, please tell me what you think a horror comedy is. All right, I will. But let's circle back to that last part. <laughs> like, I want to know who said that, when, and whether that's actually accurate and true. Uh, I would say I said that, and I say that every day. And oh, my God. In this current instance, I'm the only one that matters. I, you do. You are the only one that matters. And I <laughs> am very humbled and, uh, wow, flattered. Thank you, Matt. Um, all, all, all I'll say is, like, every you know, everyone has their funny, like, little interjections. And, oh, this is a funny thing I'm going to try and say. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Nick, however, has never missed. 
He is always consistently brilliant. Top of top of his game. Nobody ever tops him. He's great. Super funny guy. Anyway, you guys should do a podcast together. I was going to say we should uh, stop the podcast <laughs> now because the more I talk, the less that's going to be true. Um, let's. Uh, I was going to say you should start, Matt, because I want to just say, like, of all the people I know, um, you and Brantley, I think, are the only ones that in our kind of like circle of friends who I think appreciate horror to the level that, well, the three of us all do. I mean, like, I think that we talk horror with our friends and they watch them, but I don't think anyone consumes them the way that the three of us do. Um, but you're also one of the funniest people I have ever met in my life and you write comedy and you direct comedy. So I think you know comedy and you like, you studied comedy. You went to, you know, you did UCB. Like you, you know both of these genres perfectly. So, um, I would say if you had to define a horror comedy, I would probably defer to you anyway. Uh, so I think you're going to be a good commissioner here. Uh, and I don't think that I'm going to have much to add here to, to how I will say that I struggled to pick uh, some choices here because I, I was, there are tons of movies that I like that are, I, I would say mostly horror, but have like some very, very funny elements, but like not consistently enough that I would call it a horror comedy. Um, I mean, plenty of horror movies have comedic elements in them, and there are some that I think hit harder than others, but still not to the point that I would probably dub it a horror comedy. So that eliminated, honestly, a lot of my choices right off the bat. So I think my criteria mostly was, um, yeah, something that I would I would say, uh, something that I wouldn't classify as a horror film that has, you know, a few comedic elements but something that start to finish was written and made and you know executed as just a horror comedy like all the way through a hybrid both elements are there from the first frame to the last um so that was tough that limited it a lot and then from there um it was picking good ones and honestly i think maybe i haven't seen enough but that was where the struggle was. There's plenty that I considered putting on my list that ultimately I just determined I, I just didn't have enough, I guess, reverence for to, to or respect for to, to put on this podcast. Um, if I'm really choosing the best of the best, it would be a disservice to, to, to put those on. So I'm really limited and I'm curious to hear what your criteria are because like it was your, this is, this topic is your, your suggestion here. So, um, Please. Well, I, what I what I would say, Nick, is is I feel like we're we're pretty much aligned um, in in what we we think this is, um, and yeah, I mean, I I picked horror comedy because I think it's it's as as a viewer, that's what I look for the most, and those are the the horror movies that I that you know stick in my my brain the longest, and and the ones that like you know the, when I try to make something, I'm I'm emulating a horror comedy, and I think. Um, I think you you nailed it pretty much right on the head where it, it's a movie that it's not one or the other. It's both. It's a hybrid. And, you know, certain types of comedy shows, uh, this a funny little thing called JPM, Jokes Per Minute. Um, and I think a horror comedy is trying to do both JPM and Whore PM, HPM, HPM, <laughs> sorry, not Whore PM. Oh, my God. <laughs> ah, that's it. I'm canceled. I'm done. <laughs> I SPM, both, scares I have, per minute. Scares per minute. There we go. SPM, JPM. And I think, yeah, I mean, the best ones, in my opinion, um, 
when they're, you know, they'll go for a laugh. And when they're not going for a laugh, they're going for a scare. And when they're not going for a scare, they're going for a joke. Or they, they are one and the same. The horror, the horrific element is both played for scares and a joke at the same time. And I know that we all know, without getting into this draft, what the creme de la creme of this genre is. The one that succeeds at this better than any other film that's ever been made, but we're not going to get into that yet. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I think it, a horror comedy has to accomplish both. And, and to your point, Nick, there are horror movies that have comedic element, elements in them. There's, you know, always a comedic, uh, a comedic relief character. I don't think that qualifies. And then you've got other movies that are like satires that are more horror than they are anything else. Yes, satire can be funny, but I don't think satire is inherently a comedic approach to something, which is why something like Night of the Living Dead, I would say, as commissioner, doesn't qualify. Or, or even Dawn of the Dead. That doesn't really qualify because, yes, it's satirical. Yes, there is something funny about zombies also, you know, being shoppers and saying something about society. But I don't think in, in my memory, at least, there isn't a single moment of either version of Dawn of the Dead that's a joke, that has a joke outside of like, oh, this character said a funny thing. Ty Burrell from Modern Family said something funny in the Dawn of the Dead remake. I don't think that qualifies it as a comedy. I 100 percent agree yeah yeah there are there are a few movies in the genre that have moments where i have laughed harder than i have in like legit just straight right down the middle comedy films like there are moments that hit harder than most comedies that i've seen but they're the exception to the you know most mm -hmm. of those films are scary and i think that's why they hit so hard is because comparatively you've been watching a really scary thing and that one moment of relief just hits so much harder um so yeah I, I completely agree i also think you kind of nailed it um in terms of the challenge filmmakers face here if you choose to like they are really competing genres in a lot of ways um the elements that make a comedy and the elements that make up a horror film kind of butt heads um mm -hmm. and so to yeah to to Try and like, but somehow but I, I, I would I would say butt heads, but are both aiming at the exact same goal. But continue your point. No, that's well. No, you you should elaborate on that because I think you're that's right. Yeah. I mean, okay. So the reason why I would why I gravitate the most towards horror films and comedy films is because I think those are the only two genres that are that have a physical reaction. That that, that their base goal is to get an actual physical reaction in you, the viewer dramas it's empathy but that's not physical that's emotional um you know historical pieces it's it's knowledge you don't want to you want to increase your intellect about a certain subject but comedies they want to make you laugh your body physically responds to the, the comedy or horror films scared like you have a physical reaction you grab onto things you hide in your seat you get a little tense you get on the edge of your seat so both of them are trying more than anything else to be as visceral as possible. So yes, while it doesn't seem like they mix very well, they are aiming for the same sort of thing, a visceral physical reaction from a member of the audience. And that's why I think while it's very difficult, they're, they're the best. They're, they're what I enjoy watching most. They're fun. Oh, they're experiential. 
Yeah, and they're called the two body genres specifically for that because yeah. they invoke these involuntary reactions from our bodies that we just can't control. Um, you know, you can try to hold back tears as much. I guess you can try to hold back laughs too. But, you know, I'm thinking like a drama if it's making you tear up or something. That's like the only other way, you know, I kind of think of other genres kind of entering that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm sort of like 100% on board with everything you guys are saying. I think there has to be that intentionality of you're going in and they are horror and comedy blended together it's not unintentional comedy because you made a horror movie and it was kind of silly and dumb like i love chopping mm-hmm. mall but that's unintentionally a funny <laughs> movie you know it's not they didn't go in planning to make a horror comedy and like you said with satires and i actually was thinking on the other end with satires i was thinking like you know serial mom is mostly just a comedy that has some like horrific elements because she you know is a serial killer and kills people but it's not really horror it's just comedy and satire of the suburban life and the perfect american family and you know all of that jazz yeah um like i i I almost put hocus pocus on my list but i was like that's not that movie never once really tries to be scary but it tries even yeah it tries to be very funny which it succeeds at but yeah and I, there was a couple I would like when I was just brainstorming where I was like, eh, you know, I don't know if I would just because they weren't scary, scary, or they maybe are scary, but only in that kinder trauma sort of way. Like, you know, last episode I had Gizmo from Gremlins on it and there was a little bit of a challenge. Like, is that really a horror movie? Absolutely. And I'd argue, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, although I would, Gremlins is a horror comedy for sure. Yes, that yes. I would also agree. But I yeah. completely, when you were like, oh, this is a controversial, cho- controversial choice. I was like, absolutely not. Gizmo saves the day in both movies. Yes. Yeah, so. exactly. And and to be uh, fair, from the get-go, he's like, hey, man, don't, I'm not going to eat. It's after midnight. I'm not going to have any food. Please don't get me wet. I don't want to get wet. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> so he is 100% the hero of that movie. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I have someone uh, defending me on that. But I'm also really curious because when I was putting together my list, there was a specific subgenre where I noticed a lot of my picks coming from, and I won't obviously won't say, but like when we're done, I'm curious if you guys sort of had that same uh, realization too. Um, anything else we want to talk about on the horror comedy as a genre before we before we move on? I mean, I would just say as commissioner, uh, I'll be a stickler about the percentage uh, in terms of in terms of what the movies accomplish, and I think you know. You're, you're aiming for something that's within the, the 50-50, 60-40 range in terms of the, the two sides of it. Like I almost put – I actually – it's on my list as a backup, but I don't think it really qualifies. I have Malignant on there because it is very funny, but I think it's trying definitely – it's like an 80-20. Like 80% it's trying to be real scary, but there is that 20% not really like in your face like this is kind of silly. So we're going to have some silly things in here. But That's I wouldn't necessarily call that a full comedy. Yeah. Good point. Oh man, it's, there's like two or three choices on my list right now that I'm wondering if if they're just they're designed as comedies clearly, and and they just happen to have like their setting is is the setting of a horror film, but they're like straight up just comedies. So I'm not sure if those are going to be contested yeah. or you know. Well, let's we'll see. It'll, it'll, it'll be. It'll be I can't can't wait to discuss. Yeah. yeah, this There's is going to be There's a lot fun. that I had too that I was just like, I don't think this is going to pass the smell test. <laughs> it's just they're mostly just comedies that have you know horror tropes and elements in them. Yeah, so we'll see. It's more than three. It's like half my list. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, just, well, just, just so I completely understand the whole rule here, because I am not a 
football guy, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's five rounds, yep. which means at the end of at the end of the five rounds, each of us on our team will have five players, so to speak, in our lineup. That's correct. Uh, yep. Great. I'm on board. And we, we do a snake-style draft, which is not what they do in actual football, just so you know. This is mm-hmm. more like a fantasy football thing. Uh-huh. So whoever picks first in the first round goes last in the second round, and whoever goes last in the first round gets to have a back-to-back and pick first in the second round. So, uh, if yep. No, I was just going to say, if, if, I, if I may make a suggestion, just because yes. this is a very fun reference that I think everyone should know. Have you guys ever seen the movie The In-Laws? No. No. It's from the from the seventies with uh, oh my god I, I want to say Alan Alda and the guy who played uh, Columbo Peter Falk yes Peter Falk there we go okay. uh, terrific movie great it's on Criterion honestly you know don't let the Criterion thing scare you it's legitimately one of the funniest movies I've ever seen but there's a whole part in that movie where the two of them are running from people shooting at them and Peter Falk says serpentine serpentine because he wants them to run in that so I would say you know don't take it or leave it take it or leave it but I would call it serpentine style drafting not snake style drafting you know what that's a good point and I have a memory of that being something I've seen in a movie. Now, whether it's from the in-laws or someone referencing the in-laws, like like as an in-joke in their movie, uh, I do have like a memory of that from from something that I can't place right now. Well, but, I, I, not a horror, but certainly a comedy. Highly recommend the in-laws and Alan Arkin, not Alan Alda. My uh, bad. My bad. Oh, Alan Arkin. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, see the in-laws. Perfect. Uh, so before we began recording, we established our order by rolling in the four-sided die. Uh, Nick will have the first pick and go first in the first round. Uh, I will go second, and then Matt will go third and get the back-to-backs. Um, without further ado, Nick, you're on the clock with the first pick in the first round. All right, I will kick things off. And I will say that before we actually started recording, Matt predicted that whoever was going to go first was going to pick this quintessential horror comedy and i think i know what that is i'm just very curious so i'm just gonna go out and say evil dead 2 yeah you son of a bitch okay started (laughs) writing it before you said it. okay okay (laughs) i just wanted to make sure so it and i actually wrote down army of darkness first just because i would argue that that's more of but that is really just more of a comedy and it's more of a slapstick sort of like three stooges like physical i evil dead 2 to me is the perfect horror comedy because it is um i mean i just think it's the definition of like the perfect blend of the two um right down to the fact that like it's a hybrid of evil dead one which i would argue is just more of a straight up horror movie and army of darkness which i would argue is a straight up comedy evil dead 2 sits right in the middle and it like it bridges those two extremes like perfectly um and uh and it features just like i think several different kinds of comedy um and and just and does them all well i mean there's physical comedy uh that seen in the kitchen with bruce campbell fighting himself i mean it's just like unparalleled i think even in his own work maybe army of darkness comes close in a few but it's just un, unreal i mean that's that's one of the fa- my favorite scenes in, in movies period i think he just his physical comedy his physical acting is incredible um his delivery is great in you know in a lot of the uh, deadpan humor parts the gore is so over the top as to be comedic to your point like there's like i know we were kind of talking about that um you know it's not unintentionally hilarious i mean the gore is clearly deliberately 
over the top and hilarious. Whereas I think it is it is a joke for sure. Yeah, and in the first one, it's it's I mean the first one is even more violent in my opinion, um, and and gorier. But I th- it's not played for laughs the way it is in the second one. So I think there is it's a weird like kind of blurry line, but you can tell the difference when you watch the film that this score is like so for sure. Um, the the violence is is over the top. Um, the creature design is is hilarious in places, and then. Um, there's also just like little one-off, like kind of subtle jokes that are clearly just written as, as tiny comedic elements that aren't like, I don't know. I don't know how I would describe them, but there's like the sort of a side when he traps his own hand and he puts, um, a farewell to arms on the top of the bucket or whatever to like Mm -hmm. keep it. That's just, it's brilliant. That's a a great visual joke. That's like Mm -hmm. the, you know, the Zucker brothers sort of, I don't even know if I would categorize it as a Zucker Brothers sort of joke but it's that sort of visual humor that you could easily miss and the movie wouldn't be any different but if you catch it it's just fantastic great yeah. detail um yeah I just it's it's um Army of Darkness is too comedic I would say that it, you know if we weren't sticking to just movies I might actually pick Ash vs. Evil Dead as a whole over Evil Dead 2 Maybe, um, but I feel like you get into like this weird gray area. Where it's like, which season are you talking about? And like, no, mm-hmm. it's just the whole show. I think just nails it. Um, yeah, I think Ash vs. Evil Dead is is like, yeah. Again, if we were going outside of movies, I might honestly pick that entire series over Evil Dead Two. But as a film, Evil Dead Two is perfect. They mention it in High Fidelity, a great scene in High Fidelity, hilarious scene about Evil Dead Two being a fantastic movie and funny. Um, yeah. So. That's it. I can't say anymore. Nick, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, I mean, when we were when I, we were talking about this before, I would say I, I completely agree with you. Evil Dead Two is the definition. If you look up horror comedy in the in the dictionary, if it's not Evil Dead Two, then whoever Webster doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> um, I yeah, I, I, Evil Dead Two is is a masterpiece, um, and I think you know to your point, Nick, uh, about like. The way it, you know, we'll do something scary, but then, you know, we'll we'll uh, hit it with a joke. I think the scene in the movie that sort of sums that whole thing up, and and, and in terms of like its approach, is um, the middle of the movie. He sort of stumbles and falls on a chair, and it breaks. And the first thing that happens is the deer's head that's mounted on the wall looks <laughs> at him, and then starts laughing. That initially is nightmare fuel. That's one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Just that really weird deer with the white eyes laughing at him and then everything else in the room starts to laugh at him as well because the deadites have can possess whatever the hell they want cars books lamps etc but then what's nice about it is it starts with something super super scary and disturbing and then the main character ash sort of losing his mind in the course of this movie begins to laugh with them to the point where he even dances up and down with the lamp that is laughing at him and then what's really, really beautiful at it is, you know, it starts super scary, very disturbing, becomes very silly, very funny, kind of joyful for the audience. You end up laughing with it. And then it's immediately cut off by somebody's at the front door and Ash shoots his shotgun at the front door. So it's like we're having a little bit of fun, but we're right back into the horror. So that thing that I talked about before with like jokes per minute, scares per minute, we got a scare, then we get a joke, then we get a scare. And it's like when we're not doing one, we're doing the other. And Evil Dead 2 is, is, the, is that distilled. Yeah, I think you. That's an incredible explanation right there. Yeah, and I hate you for taking it. 
<laughs> no, but you you stole all the thunder. You did that that one scene. Yeah, I think you completely summed it up. That one scene is like the definition of horror comedy. Well, all right. As commission, I allow it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, I hope the commission is going to allow my next pick. Uh, Matt, ever since the second episode, I've made a promise to myself, and that is that I'm going to draft with my heart. I don't care about... If I was picking first in this round, guess what? I would not have taken it with that. I would have taken this film instead. I'm taking Tremors with my pick in the first round. I got my DVD. My Tack Pack DVD, one through four. I got my laser disc <laughs> i got my 4k blu-ray i have right that one is, uh, that's the one nice. i have yeah and my vhs is uh boxed up somewhere so that one is not currently at uh, my reach to have brought onto the podcast but um i love that movie so goddamn much it is like a perfect movie in my mind uh i I, this always happens when I start to talk, talk about movies. I literally like begin to shut down. There is the humor in it is not as like you know in your face as an Evil Dead, for instance. It's a little bit more subtle, but it is uh, you know it's more wisecracky. It's more uh, um, you know Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward thinking they're pulling fast ones and and getting scammed themselves, especially when they sell like the piece of the graboid to to the shop owner and everything or or Kevin Bacon going to nail in the fence and completely missing the nail and walking off and then Fred Ford having to fix his work for him. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, I, I love the movie. It's, it's so amazing. And uh, I, I, I hesitate to check in with the commish to make sure that it actually counts as a horror comedy. But I guess I have to get approval here from the commish. Does Tremors count? I think that Tremors does count. I, I I had it on my list and I wasn't sure myself whether or not it qualified because, you know, the comedy of it is very much the the type of thing that we were talking about where there are like funny characters, but it's not necessarily trying to be a comedy. However, mm-hmm. you just won me over by pointing out a couple things that are intentional blocking mm-hmm. jokes that aren't necessarily in the script. The whole idea of like Kevin Bacon does something, does it wrong, and then Fred Ward comes in. And Fred Ward or Wheeler? No, Fred, two different. No, Fred Ward. Fred Ward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Remo Williams is how I know him personally. Exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I think that qualifies. And I would say I, you know, I got that that Arrow release a few months ago, um, and I watched it with my spouse. Um, and you know, I'm I'm sort of desensitized at this point, but there were the the scene where it's the older couple and they've got the generator outside. At night, and the generator gets pulled in, and then the husband gets pulled in, and then the wife gets in the car, and then the car gets pulled in. That is scarier than I think I ever realized because I I noticed that Bridget was like clutching her pillow and she couldn't handle it, and she was sort of breathing kind of heavy. And I was like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "That was a lot," and and I I find it very uncomfortable. So I think it is it's joyful and funny. And also has moments where it is legitimately scary because, yeah, what's scarier than knowing that, like, you you can't step on the ground because if you step on the ground, something could literally come up, grab you, and pull you under and eat you alive. And also, yeah. who doesn't love a movie with Reba McIntyre? Nobody. Exactly. Nobody. Yes. And speaking of Tremors, that was one of the honorable mentions I didn't mention in our last episode. I, I almost had Burt Gummer. Um, 
played by Michael Gross, who Reba's husband in the movie, and who becomes like the the hero of all the like straight to DVD sequels, pretty much. Except, yeah, I guess the second one still has Fred Ward, but uh, I almost had him on my list because I mean, if we're talking about horror heroes, I mean, he's in like all seven of them, and I guess the new eighth one that's going to be coming out. Oh boy, because like these things, I guess, are just like still making. I mean, none of the sequels, at least that I've seen, I haven't seen some of the, the like two newer ones. But uh, they don't live up, obviously, to the first one. But, I mean, what can, honestly? Yeah. I, I really enjoy 2. I think 2 is, is a fun way to, yes. like, change the monsters but still make them scary and, and, and still sort mm-hmm. of, like, work within the, the, the mechanism, the mechanics of how they work. Um, I saw 3. It's bad. And I stopped after that. Yeah. I have the second. This, I just won uh, uh, the second one uh, on an auction, so that'll be coming to me uh, on Laserdisc uh, in a little bit. So I have nice. the first two, the only two that were released on Laserdisc as well. Yeah, but uh, yeah. excellent, excellent well, choice, excellent choice. Thank you, uh, Matt. You are now up with the last pick of the first round, and also. The first pick of the second okay. round. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, okay, well, let me take Evil Dead 2 off the top of my list, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Put it down here in the discard pile. Uh, okay, so, Nick, I am actually going to not vehemently disagree, but I am going to strongly disagree, and my first pick is Army of Darkness. Because I think that I think that Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2, while, to your point... Army of Darkness isn't as interested in the scares as Evil Dead 2 is. I do think that both of those deserve to have the top two spots in the genre of horror comedy. Um, I think that I saw Army of Darkness at a very young age. I think that movie came out in 1990 or 91. And I saw it the year it came out on video. It's one of my greatest memories. Uh, I was at uh, my cousin Steven's house and his dad rented it for us to watch for his birthday. And we had like a big sleepover and we all watched it. It's, it's the very first movie that hit me in a place that like, I didn't know that movies could do this. I didn't know that, that these many genres could be put in a blender and mixed all together and work. Um, and I remember going home and recounting the entire movie plot point for plot point for my parents. Because it just it like hit me in a in a profound way. I would say, however, Evil Dead Two is fifty fifty. Uh, Army of Darkness is more in that sixty forty, maybe sixty five thirty five, maybe almost seventy thirty realm in terms of leaning more on the comedy than the horror. However, comma, uh, it still does do the joke scare joke scare although the jokes are a little bit more of the there's more joke in the scare than there is scare in the scare but there's still scary sequences you know one of the first things that happens when when ash gets sent back in time to medieval times he gets thrown into a pit with this giant monster that comes out of the wall and tries to eat him as a seven-year-old child that scared the shit out of me but it was also equally amazing that Ash jumps up into the air after somebody throws his chainsaw at him and perfectly gets his hand into the socket of the chainsaw and then fights this thing. Um, Nick, you may know this. On the uh, behind the scenes for Army of Darkness, um, they that monster in particular in the pit, uh, when they were, you know, Sam Raimi was touring, like seeing what all the creatures were that they were creating and everything like that. Um, they had somebody in the shop wearing that costume standing still. 
as if it was just a mannequin or something like that. And Sam had came, come up to, to look at it and he's like, oh, that's not scary. I don't think that one's going to work. We got to try that again. And the person in the suit jumped at him and Sam literally like shrieked and jumped out of his skin. He's like, oh my God, you're right. That's scary. It's in the movie. So that's why that monster's there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of scary things. The, the fact that some, you know, a second him grows out of him, I don't know about you, but the idea of an eyeball being on my shoulder, that's nightmare fuel. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I could, I could go on forever, baby, but I'm not going to. My first pick, Army of Darkness. Well, and you don't need to. You have the commission override. You get to decide <laughs> that is a pick. Very yeah. true. That is eligible to be drafted. It counts. It counts. I'm leaving it. Uh, one last thing. Obviously, you know, we can't we can't talk about Evil Dead all night. But Nick, I would say if we could choose Ash versus Evil Dead as a whole, I would agree with you. I think uh, it succeeds in the scare department. I think better than Evil Dead Two does. But it is funnier than I think any of them because they, you know, it was clearly a show where they hired comedy writers. So there are legitimately, there's legitimately really funny dialogue in that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think one of my favorite lines is when he's like, Hey, don't touch my stuff except to tidy up. (laughs) (laughs) So there, there end of round one, I would say as commish. Absolutely. Uh, Can't wait to hear what round two brings. I know you get to kick it off. Shall I be? Shall I begin? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, please do. Okay. Now this I think might be a surprising to- a surprising one because I don't think enough people talk about this. But this movie came out in the last 10 years or so and I think succeeds in more ways than I think I was expecting when I went to go see it. Uh in in the horror and the comedy. It is both both extraordinarily funny and extraordinarily scary. And one of the few movies I've seen of its type that completely commits to its uh, concept without chickening out in the end. And my second pick is This is the End. Interesting. See, I didn't put that on mine because I felt that was more just a straight up comedy as well. But there are some legitimately frightening things in that movie. Oh, I agree, especially at the end uh, when like the world has devolved and you've got like Channing Tatum humping, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, sex, blank sex slave Tatum. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, like as his like slave or whatever he is, uh, and then like the the demon monster and everything that comes out at the end. I, uh, but I don't know. Just for me, to me, look, I'm not the commission. I don't get the final say. But to me, I, I didn't have it on my list just because I felt it was more more a comedy. Well, I would, I. I'm going to allow it as commish. I think, I think like Army of Darkness, this falls in that 65, 35 realm where it is leaning more in the comedy than it is in the horror, but it doesn't shirk the horror. When the horror mm-hmm. happens, it's legitimately scary. It's incredibly gory and violent. Um, there are some very scary monsters and some really incredible sequences, like when they go to the house next door to try and find supplies and that big Zool looking demon chases them through the whole house that's a very scary sequence and that's not played for laughs at all it's played for these two characters are going to be killed if they if they stay here um and i mean honestly more than anything else the fact that it completely commits to yes this is the apocalypse the world is ending satan himself 50 story tall satan himself with his giant penis flying all over the place is walking across what used to be Los Angeles and it is burned to a crisp and Channing Tatum is a sex slave who has to wear a skull over it. No, he's not wearing the skull. The other guy's wearing the skull. Um, 
Yeah, on, on, on its commitment level alone to being disturbing, violent, scary, and apocalyptic, I give This is the End my second uh, draft pick. Good pick. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can say to the commission. He's got the power. You know, I, I, I made my case, but it falls on deaf ears. Just like uh, Hemon himself, I have the power. Uh, so there you go, Brantley. That's uh, my second pick. This is the end. Uh, and as Kamish, I'll allow it. So uh, what's your what's your second draft, second round draft pick? So um, technically, if, I, if I'm drafting by my heart, I have one above this, but I feel like I can get it later, especially knowing the two guests that I have. So my second round pick, I'm going to double dip or excuse me, triple dip on Bruce Campbell. And I'm going to take Bubba Hotep. Excellent choice. Thank you. Excellent choice. As Kamish, I will allow it. While it is not one of my favorite films, I'll allow it. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I love Bubba Hotep. Well, uh, tell, what, 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 pray tell, what do you love about it? Oh, I, you know, I think on, I think some people might view it as just more of a comedy than a horror film, but I'd, because, uh, you know, they don't deal too much with the, the Hotep and the Mummy, you know, until, until later on. But I'd argue it's actually a body horror uh, about aging and your body breaking down not being in control anymore i mean literally there's an aspect of the film is like his dick is like rotting off because he's elvis presley is banging so many women um but also you know this fear of like what do you do when you're that old and you actually have a threat that you need to to stop so i i would actually argue it is a pretty balanced horror comedy film when looked at from that perspective uh and uh i, I mean i look i love bruce campbell i think he's fantastic in the role as an aging old elvis presley uh i think he kills it and uh i've always had a soft spot in that uh, for that film in my heart i think it actually was one of the reasons I got the job at video headquarters when um, I'd worked in video stores for like two and a half years before uh, I went to college. I was doing that in high school. And um, so when I, in, you know, fall of 2004, when I'm going in for my freshman year at Keene State, uh, I was like, went to video headquarters to enter, like to give them my resume and try to get a job there. And they kind of interviewed me right on the spot, something that would never happen in, in retail. <laughs> <laughs> nowadays uh and one of the things they asked was like you know oh what are like some recent movies you've seen that you like and i think throwing out like bubba hotep and some of the more like obscure kind of culty movies uh they were like oh okay this guy this guy knows what he's talking about uh so that was kind of uh, not that bubba hotep is <laughs> that obscure or anything but uh i think they they appreciated that and some of my my oddball taste but yeah, that that's why I'm gonna take uh, Bubba Hotep. I was worried it was gonna be high up on both of your lists. Also, that's why I was taking it in the second round, knowing our Evil Dead and Bruce Campbell love. It oh, is yeah. not. It is not anywhere on either my main list or my backup list. And oh, okay. I went into Bubba Hotep with sky high expectations. And mm. yes, performance from Bruce Campbell exceeded expectations. I actually thought. It's one of the best performances he's given in his entire career. And I felt kind of sad for him because I was like, you are so good and so much better than anyone gives you credit for. You took this very comedic role that is silly in its premise that Elvis Presley didn't die. He's just been in hiding and now is at this retirement home. 
and he, you know, really infused it with pathos and empathy. And it's, it's just so, it is beyond what the movie itself is capable of doing. I don't think, I don't think the movie is all that great or all that scary, but he's fantastic in it. So I, I will allow it because he's great. And yes, it does hit all the, the things that we've talked about while I would give it an overall thumbs down. As a film, but I'll take. Uh, I'd recommend. I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody listening. You got to see it because he's so good. Interesting. I love Bubba Hotep, <clears throat> um, but I, I think I had a similar experience to Matt. Like the first time I saw it, the trailer. I remember the trailer, watching it over and over and over again. This is like height of my mm-hmm. Evil Dead love and yep, obsessed here. with Bruce Campbell. And I, I think the trailer is it makes it look much more like an Evil Dead. You know, there's there's like mm. the Sam Raimi camera, like following that mosquito or whatever around. Like that's mm. a very Sam Raimi Evil Dead shot. Um, so I, I don't. I think the trailer does it a disservice because I think the first time I saw it, I had a certain set of expectations, and it wasn't that. And I wasn't disappointed. I was just kind of like I had to just reset my expectations and watch it again quickly. Um, but yeah, after that, I just fell in love with it. I think it's. Um, I, I there are it, it is creep. I mean, there's creepy moments. It's a horror. It is a horror film. I think it's well made on a shoestring budget. Um, <clears throat> I think obviously the performances are incredible, but um, I agree with Matt. I think that uh, it, it's like it's a weirdly emotional movie for me. Part of that is the soundtrack, which is fucking amazing. If you like, that's like one of Brian Tyler's early early scores, and now he's huge and doing Fast and the Furious movies and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was an early score of his, and it's just it's it's beautiful. Like the main theme, I think it's called the King's Highway. It's just I I listen to that all the time. I think it's an incredible. And like without that soundtrack, I don't know how I'd like his performance, Bruce's performance, and Ossie Davis obviously too would be still like stellar. But I don't know if it would hit the same way. Um, that is a movie that I will say, for me, is very much defined by its soundtrack in a weird way. Um, but yeah, like just love. I I don't. I don't know why I'm still talking about it because it's not like I'm not like disagreeing, but it's just uh, so rarely get to talk about Bubba Hotep. It's just so good. Yeah, I want to yeah. rewatch it now. Um, I I, I do very much want to rewatch it because uh, I same. I only saw it the once. Um, but yeah, no, great, good good pick, good pick. I I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I want to rewatch too because it's been a while. I, I have not seen it in in a in a minute. So I think it got like and, a uh, limited Blu-ray. Re- blu-ray release for like a month and it's just been on like it's impossible to find um oh really i oh. think i gotta get to, gotta double check well, that but that's like don't don't say that to me now because that's my kryptonite now where i'm like oh something's <laughs> impossible to find i must own it well right exactly yeah no i i mean i would i would definitely own it on blu-ray if i thought it had been easier to find i think at some point i must have looked it up and found that it was like it had been i know for a fact it was available on blu-ray for a while though but like yeah. That's what's keeping me from watching it again. I feel like such a spoiled bread. Like I have it on DVD. It's sitting right there. I can pop it in right after this, but I'm not going to. Maybe <laughs> I need that 1080p. I can't tell it's 480. Get out! I really do. Upscaling doesn't count. It's like fine. It'll be 1080p, but yeah. it's all fake. Yeah. So I, I I was gonna say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Matt. No, I was I was just gonna say to, to, to that point, and I don't want to get too off topic here. Uh, but yeah, the the, the hard to find aspect of things like. I, I 
I both love and greatly dislike this this new world of streaming that we're in, mostly because mm-hmm. there are things that I know of and love that are not available. And now because video stores are dead and theaters are now uh, having trouble and whatnot, you know, it, it sucks that most streaming services don't have anything past 10 years ago, unless it's like, you know, Ben frickin' her. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, little things like Bubba Hotep, they're like, nobody's going to watch that. And it's like, well, nobody's going to watch 97% of your content, Netflix, because it all sucks. Sorry. Okay. Well, and All right. I'm done. I'm no, done. And no, no. To, to that point, I mean, I have been trying to find a way to legally watch Hardware, the 1990 horror movie with Dermot Mulroney. Is it Dermot Mulroney or Dylan McDermott? I always confuse those two. Yeah, I think that's, a, Dermot, that's a common right? thing. I think they're the same person. Yeah. Same yeah. here. Uh, I think so, too. But anyway, it's not available anywhere. You, 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 the, the, it was put out on Blu-ray, and it is extremely expensive to find that limited edition Blu-ray. The like very standard edition Blu-ray that they put out is still very ex- uh, expensive as well because it's out of print. It's not streaming anywhere. You can't pay to rent it on any of the streaming services like Amazon or whatever. And this is, again, my spoiled aspect. It's like, I don't want to spend $25 for the standard edition DVD, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like what that one goes for. Exactly. It's like, yeah, I, I, I would want to watch it you know, either rent it in HD or I don't mind renting it in SD even as long as I don't have to pay an arm and a leg. I just, I don't want to spend $25 on a DVD, you know? Um, But also speaking of things that are impossible to find, this is a slight tease, Nick. I don't know. I can cut this out if you're not comfortable. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Nick and I are on the hunt. We mentioned in, it came up in a previous episode that Mission Impossible like was, rumored to be the last movie put out on Betamax. And I remember thinking, that seems so late in the life cycle. Like, I thought that was dead by the early 90s. Like, five plus years later, it's still kicking. So we are have been on the hunt to try to find out if, in fact, Mission Impossible was ever put out on Betamax, and if that's the final Betamax release ever. And I think we're going to try to do our own serial reply-all <laughs> style off-topic episode, like, where we try to, like... solve this mystery mission impossible mission impossible exactly (laughs) so i don't want to say anything more and give anything away but that's like a little tease down the road we're 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 trying to kind of solve this mystery that's we've got we've got some good leads so we're 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 working those leads yeah uh last thing i'll say on this topic is i had two quite whales uh whenever i went to a video store i was like if i find it i'm gonna buy it one was the rock criterion which Mm. i finally found and even though it's on you know DVD, I mean, the Criterion transfer is glorious, looks beautiful. Mm. Uh, the other one was Meet the Feebles, which thanks to you gentlemen, I, I now own. Uh, have I watched it yet? No, but I have it. <laughs> uh, but the other, I have a new, a new white whale, and my new white whale is Warriors of Virtue, which I feel like I'm the only person who remembers that this movie came out in the late 90s. But it's about a little boy who gets transported back into a, 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 a mystical land, not unlike Narnia, uh, and is protected by four giant kung fu fighting kangaroos. So it's sort of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but Teenage Mutant Kangaroos. Uh, and it was directed by um, Ronnie, oh no, Ronnie Wu? Ronnie Wu? Ronnie Yu? Ronnie Yu. Ronnie Yu, yeah. yes. Directed, directed by Ronnie Yu. Hmm. Uh, Angus McFadden plays the villain, and he is terrific in it. Um, and yeah, the only, the only way I can find it is 
uh, like on eBay on VHS. I don't think it was ever printed to DVD or anything like that because it was a massive bomb here in the States. Uh, I don't know how well it did back in China, um, but if my childhood memory serves me right, it's a very fun, wonderful time with great production design and incredible, incredibly well-realized world. Uh, but yeah, no, I have, I have yet to find it uh, in the wild. I'm not familiar with that movie at all. And now I'm very, uh, I'm very captivated by this whole story. I want to look for it. <laughs> Same. I would like well, to it's, it's, it's not hard to find, but like you guys, I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend $90 on a VHS. Yeah. yeah. That's so, problem. so much more fun to just try to come upon something in the wild. And exactly. Especially, exactly. especially with like, you know, when they don't know what they have and it's like, I'm picking this up for 25 cents and they have no idea like how this is, you know, yeah. Oh, this is awesome. You know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I can't, I can't spend those eBay prices either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, show, uh, who's, who, sorry, let's commission yeah. commission lacking on his duties here. Uh, you just said your pick, which I've already forgot. Oh, wait. Bobby, Bobby okay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so yes, Nick, your turn. Go. Exactly. My turn. My turn. I got back-to-back picks. Um, that actually helps because uh, this is tough. Um, I'm going to go with, for number two, um, One Cut of the Dead, which um, actually, Brantley, I know you and I, have, I think we spoke about it actually before I'd seen it. You had recommended it, and I'd been recommended it by a couple of people. Um, and what I will say is, if you haven't seen it, uh, both of the people who recommended it to me said, go into it knowing nothing about it. Do not read about it. Do not watch a trailer. Just watch the movie. Trust me. You'll love it. Um, and I did. And I did. Uh, nice. I did go in blind. I did love it. Um, it's, I, I don't even want to say that much about it on, on here. If you haven't seen it, um, it's available on shutter. I think it might be on Amazon prime as well. Um, just see it. You have to give it a half an hour. Um, I will say that. That I wish someone had said that to me because the first half did hour. I was like, no, no. Oh, maybe you oh, did. Okay. I can't I, remember. Okay. Maybe I didn't say because I didn't want to like spoil anything about it either. But yes, you you have to give it a half hour. You have to give it a half hour. Yeah. No, I don't want to spoil anything either. But I will say, like, I think hearing that you have to give it a half hour is valuable because you you'd be doing yourself a disservice not to watch it. But yes. do not watch a trailer. Do not yeah. read about it. You will ruin it for yourself. And it's just an experience you, you need to have. It's, it's such a, I don't know. I loved everything about it. It's such a feel good, like, but hilarious. And like, it's just, it's fun. And there's nothing mean about it. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just so sweet and amazing. Uh, just watch it. It's incredible. Uh, and it's genuinely funny. As commissioner, I allow it because I haven't seen it. <laughs> so I'll trust your judgment. Nice. Uh, I, by the way, I agree with that rule for most things. Yeah. The, the give it at least a half an hour. And I would, I would argue, give it the whole thing. There's, I can count on my hand the, times, the, the number of times I've shut something off while watching it. And most of it was just because I was tired. Not because I didn't <laughs> want to finish the movie. It's I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like I can't properly speak to the quality of something unless I've seen the whole thing from beginning to end. Yeah, that's a big, yes, exactly. That's the, um, I don't know how you would describe that. It's like FOMO, but not in that sense. It's like fear of speaking out. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to be able to engage in conversations about these things, even if I hate them. Because yeah. um, any, any movie, even if it's bad for an hour, 
could turn things around. Oh, definitely. And even, I mean, even, even if it ultimately isn't a successful movie, there's probably something of value to be seen in it somewhere. I have movies on this list for sure that I, like, I probably won't pick them, to be honest, because I, I wouldn't rank them in my top five horror comedies, but I put them on there because I, I enjoy enough of them that if you guys pick some other stuff on my list, it'd be a good fallback. And they are, in my opinion pretty bad until the last act and then they're almost mm-hmm. redeemed by like an incredible final half hour um yeah so yeah i think there there are movies like that and that's uh and then and then there's the, the flip side of the coin when i was looking through my list um uh the the uh, unmasked the rise of leslie vernon i was very excited to see that movie and i was like okay that could kind of count but then i remembered that like it's really good for about an hour and then gets really bad in the last hour or last half hour whatever it is and, you yeah know, look you may not agree you don't have to agree, but that was my take on the rise of Leslie Vernon. Very good, and then very bad. I honestly, I I, I remember really enjoying it, and then uh, no details except for the very like end credits. I think they have a cover, maybe of Psycho Killer with Talking Head song, or maybe it's the original. I can't remember over the entire end credits, which is like obviously an incredible choice. Um, yeah, and that was what I, stuck with me. I don't know if I would have remembered that because I feel like that was one of those movies where as soon as the credits rolled, I hit stop and I was like, <laughs> well, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, one, one, one cut of the dead. Good, good pick. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, allow, I'll allow it on ignorance alone. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I will go. What are we round? Is that my was that my second or that was my second? That was the end that of was round two. Second. So now we're at the Woo! top of round three. All right, you're up again. You know this might not turn out that bad. I have a, I have enough on here that I think I could maybe make up the last three depending on what you guys pick. So I'm going to take Tucker and Dale versus Evil for number three. Hell um, yeah. And that is one of the ones that I was a little concerned about looking back because it is clearly just a comedy that like the comedy is based on understanding horror films, of course, and it's in a horror setting. Um, but I, there's nothing. My memory might be a little rusty. It's been a while, but there's nothing that I think tries to be scary in that film. So my, it, it plays. If there are any scares, again, limited memory here, but they're played purely to play into that horror trope and then make a joke about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I would argue it's almost entirely a comedy. That being said, it's so clever. And another one of those like weirdly heartwarming, just like totally likable movies and, and, and almost every way genuinely funny. Um, One of the few movies that I felt like, had enough violence and stuff to be almost considered in the horror genre, which is why I'm picking it, but that I still could turn around immediately after watching it and saying like, mom, I think you're going to like this movie. Let's rewatch it. <laughs> and she did. Um, so yep. Uh, that is definitely high on my list. Okay. Well, the commission allows it. The commission allows it on these grounds. Yes, you're right. It may be like army of darkness. And like, this is the end more in that 65 70 30 realm but i think what pushes it over the edge is the violence is legitimately gory it is yep and i think anybody going in for just a pure comedy would be turned off by some of the violence because it is excessive but that's like you said the joke that's the point is that you know it's it's this genre film that's turning the whole thing on its head it's not the you know the inbred moron country bumpkins living in the woods who are the killers it's 
the teens who assume that they are and then, you know, unfortunately killing themselves in the process. Yeah. And they become the things that are scary to our main characters. Right. So, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I allow it. It's like, you know what? I think Tucker and Dale versus evil and your next would be a great double feature because they both do the same thing. They take the general convention and they flop it in the opposite direction. That's good. Yeah. That's actually, that would be a great pairing. But your next, I think is not, even a little bit funny. That is very scary and very gory and yeah, ter- yeah. terrific. You know what I find funny about your next? Everyone talks about how it's like so well written for like a horror movie and the character is like really smart for a horror character, to, for, which for the most part I agree with. But one of her rules is don't go into the basement because you'll go so easily get stuck into the basement because there's no way out. And that happens like three times in the movie after she <laughs> says to people not to go in the basement, including to herself. I believe if I'm remembering the movie correctly. So yes, I agree that it's not played for comedy, but I do find that kind of funny when I watch the movie that yeah. just, they still couldn't help themselves. They still had to like trap them into the basement at, at times. Anyway. Of course. Yeah. yeah uh, no, I, 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 one of the things that I love about your next that I actually stole for my, my horror film, uh, John the Carpenter is great the, movie, uh, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it, it really uh, is. The, uh, the, the, the di- I don't know if you would call it diegetic or practical, but the, the, the practical title card, the diegetic title card, which is instead of your typical you know, graphic or, or text on black or something like that, it's literally just the camera cuts the outside of the building and we see that your next is written in blood on the window and that's it. That's the title of the movie. That's the title card of the movie. And I did the same thing in John the Carpenter where after the initial attack, the camera pans over and sees written on the side of the carpenter's truck is John the Carpenter. That's Perfect. true. I love it. I didn't realize I that like was an that. ode to your next. So good. It know. is. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe sixteen people would get it, but hey, <laughs> that's that's what makes it original, right? Because nobody knows I'm ripping it off. Perfect. <laughs> that's like Quentin Tarantino's whole game. Nobody's seen half of those things from the seventies and the sixties, so it seems like it's fresh. <laughs> yep. Uh, by the way, uh, Quentin Tarantino, if you are listening, I, I worship the ground upon, upon which you walk. And if you want to fondle my feet any day, just <laughs> come on over. You can have them. I'm glad you said that. He's a huge listener. He's reached out a couple times. So he, as, as he should, as he should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm up here with my third round pick. Um, I'm gonna, this is a 100% from the heart pick. And this is Idle Hands. Oh, hell, this movie? hell yes. I don't even yes. want to hear your reasoning. I agree. It's on my list. I'm angry you took it, but I love that you took it because you oh, talked good. about it. Yeah, Nobody okay. remembers that movie. That movie's, I know. That movie's fucking awesome. It is. And it, that movie is like, that feels like being a teenager and having, it's Friday night. I've just got my body beaten to hell in a football game and I get to come home and I just have movies that I get to watch and I have the whole weekend in front of me with nothing else going it was it feels like the freedom of no responsibilities is what that movie feels like to me and it's like it's like they bottled that that i used to feel as a teenager on the weekends that i no longer get to feel anymore because i just have responsibilities all the time no matter what day of the week it is or what time of day uh and that's one of the reasons that's just like i love revisiting that movie over and over i got the the, the blu-ray that i think it was scream factory put out of it and i watched it again um like it's in the past year and are there elements of it that don't hold up great? Yes. Jessica Alba is not really a character in that movie. She exists just to be like... I can't do, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And to just be all over Devin Sawa for like seemingly no reason. Um, Which, I mean, kind of based in reality. Look, I grew up in high school at that time and there were plenty of girls that I would have liked to have dated, but because mm. fucking Devin Sawa was in the world, I was Jack Liver. <laughs> what the hell? Yes. But that being said, I, I, it wasn't nearly as problematic as I was a little worried it might be when I revisited it again recently. I think it still holds up really well. And I'm so glad it's on your list because uh, I'm, and I'm glad I was able to get it since it was on your list. Cause I took Bubba Hotep over this thinking maybe this was one that neither of you would have had as high or maybe weren't as aware of. So I'm glad I snagged it before you got a chance to take it. Kamesh. That was on my list too. That's a great one. Good oh, choice. Nice. Yeah. nice. Uh, right. I, uh... Glad I got it. You know, back, back in the olden days when we had pay-per-view as the only way that we could see movies unless we went to the, uh, the video store, uh, I would rent movies. And whether I liked them or not, just in case, I would always take them from my VCR because mm. it's like, if it's a good movie, I want to make sure I have it. I've only got this one, one chance. Uh, and yeah, Idle Hands was one I taped and then watched again and again and again. I think it is not dissimilar from Malignant from this year in mm. that it's such a wildly stupid concept that I'm enamored and in awe that it even got made. And I love that they committed to it. And it's, uh, God, oh man, I'm a, you know what? Nick may not watch Bubba Hotep, but if I can find Idle Hands, I'm watching it when we're done recording. It's great. <laughs> great movie. It's probably bad, but it's great. It holds up still. I, I think so. I haven't watched it again like recently. I, it holds up. I, I hope you enjoy it as much as you did back when you were younger. I will never look at microwaved burritos the same yes. because of idle hands. <laughs> By the way, I, I, I've, I've invoked the name of Malignant a couple times, but I haven't talked about it because I don't think enough people have seen it. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I don't want to talk about what its central concept is because that would be shitty of me it just came out and no one should know the twist oh you were just, the first person i texted when i saw it we had a we had a conversation about it because i knew you had seen it you're the only person i knew had seen it um love it that's great it's great great i i, I consider myself a a wan fan anything that james wan makes <laughs> i'm a fan of it well and uh, i'm firing myself right now <laughs> well you can't fire yourself yet Kamish, because you've got your third round pick followed by your fourth round pick next. Okay. Okay. So third round pick, here we go. Uh, now I have many good films on my list. And at this point, it's sort of like any of these would work, but because I have seen it more times than I can count, it was the first DVD I ever bought. Um, and it is the, another, you know, like army of darkness, another movie that I was like, man movies are so good now i can't believe that this this exists i'm going with the frighteners as my my third round pick i uh, good choice it is it is the only is one of the few films that i would say i would describe as it's in everything in a kid everything in the kitchen sink type of movie where anything that's possible anything that could work within this concept is in this movie commits to it totally the visual effects at the time were absolutely groundbreaking and really not just like for the sake of being like, oh, cool, we can do CG stuff. Like, no, like truly legitimately beautifully designed. Um, very, very funny. Great performances from Michael J. Fox and from Jeffrey Combs, the reanimator himself. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't say enough good things, except I will say this. This year for Halloween, I watched the director's cut, the extended cut, and I'm, I worship the ground that Peter Jackson walks upon, but it is the first extended cut of his that I would say actually actively makes the movie worse. The theatrical cut of The Frighteners is much, much better because it is like a roller coaster that does not stop, that has a super fast pace, and everything that's extended in the extended cut just stops on the heart of the pace of the movie, brings it to a screeching halt, and adds nothing of real value. Um, But yeah, no, Frighteners, it's scary, it's funny. It's groundbreaking. It's visually stunning. I can't. Yeah, as Kamish, I allow, and I'm I'm disappointed in both of you for not. No, no, that's a, that's an excellent pick. It it is on my list, but um, you know, I had to get them, them from the heart ones in there. I but the, look, you, you you know what? You get a pass because you said idle hands. Okay. Um, I'm curious when you bought this DVD because, funnily enough, frighteners. And Rawhead Rex were two DVDs that I bought as like bootlegs at horror conventions because I didn't <laughs> believe at the, believe at the time they did not have official releases out yet. But I'm wondering, you must have gotten into DVDs later then because this would have been like early 2000s, I believe. So I'm wondering... the, the, the year the year 2000 itself. Oh gosh. For, for for my for my 15th birthday in the year 2000, I'm dating myself now, oh. uh, quite literally. Um, uh, we, I went to the Palisades Mall, which if you haven't been to the Palisades Mall, fuck the Mall of America. The Palisades Mall is where it's at. Great mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went there with the express purpose of I'm buying myself a DVD player. I am upgrading from VHS. This is my birthday gift to myself. I bought a DVD player and I bought The Frighteners and Romeo Must Die. Those are my <laughs> first movies. Two classics. Well, one of them is. One of them is. <laughs> um, Okay, so gosh, I wonder, because I would have gone to this horror convention in the, later than that, later than 2000, so I, why would I, why did I bother buying a bootleg? I now have an official release of it on DVD, I, I should point out, but I'm just, anyway. But is it also true, and I'm wondering if you probably would know more than I, but wasn't The Frighteners originally developed as a Tales from the Crypt movie, but then after Bordello of Blood just like tanked really bad, they, Peter Jackson basically like revamped it as its own movie outside of Tales from the Crypt? I don't know. Oh, Didn't Bordello of Blood come out after The Frighteners? Uh, no, I think Bordello of Blood is 95. Let's check the... Oh, I thought it was 97, yeah. but I think you're right. Yeah, 95. Bordello of Blood, 1996. Price is right rules, I win, though. Uh, when did Frighteners end up coming out? Frighteners I thought... was, I think, also 96. Yeah, it was 96. Oh, as well. okay. okay. Yes, also 96. Oh, so, so maybe that, same, maybe that same... not right. Same year, but I guess it depends on which one came out first. But know. that story sounds, that rings a bell, like the, the Tales from the Crypt thing. Uh, or yeah. sorry, what were, yeah, no, that really actually does ring a bell. Yeah. Or, or maybe maybe it wasn't because Bordello Blood tanked or something. Maybe they just like knew that was going to be the last one or something. And they're like, mm-hmm. don't don't tie this to mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt. It's going to yeah. sink or something. I mean, Bordello of Blood is a terrible film. Yes. Yeah. Demon uh, Knight's okay. Demon Knight is fun, uh, from yeah. what I remember. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. If- if we can take a, a, a trip on the spaceship of imagination through time, mm-hmm. uh, Bordello of Blood uh, came out at that at that time in my life where I had uh, uh, the beginnings of, of shall we say uh, puberty. Um, mm-hmm. And on Stars, uh, before every movie started on Stars, there would be a little disclaimer about the rating of the film and why it was rated as such. 
And Bordello of Blood was one of the ones that was rated R for violence and nudity. And I watched it specifically because it was because it had nudity. And guess what? Disappointed. Was it disappointed? An- <laughs> Angie Everhart, right? Is in that yeah, film? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's she was on the she was on the cover of the first issue of Playboy that I didn't own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, disappointed in that yep. movie. So I was like, "Fine, I will watch the director's cut of Basic Instinct yet again." <laughs> uh, one last, one last thing I'll say about uh, the Frighteners for our avid listeners who have not seen the Frighteners. Uh, a fun fact is uh, everyone knows that Peter Jackson made Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies and King Kong and everything like that. Um, the reason uh, the Frighteners was the movie that convinced Peter Jackson that he could pull off. Lord of the Rings because of the visual effects that they pulled off in Frighteners. He was like, oh, we can do this now. I never thought this movie was possible before, but now it is. Let's do it. I had no idea. I did not know that connection. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yep. Very nice. cool. There, there. That's my third pick. Perfect. Moving on. You're back up again, Matt. First oh, pick the, of the fourth oh, round. Oh my God, back to back. I haven't even had time to think about it. All right, fine. Just because I know you guys are going to be real pissed at me. I'm going to be a little stinker. I'm going to be a real stinker with my next pick. My next pick is the incomparable, the incredible, the 100% nail in the coffin of this specific genre. I think because of this movie, these movies should never be made again. Cabin in the Woods. Damn it. Yep. Knew that was going to happen. Okay. Uh, The Cabin in the Woods obviously is playing on all the tropes of Cabin in the Woods movies. Uh, specifically our, our creme de la creme, Evil Dead, one, two, and three, and the TV show, and the fourth one, which is also a remake, but technically the fourth one, if you want to be a stickler like I am. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. It, it skewers all the conventions of those movies. It's, it is incredibly funny, but also incredibly scary, and also has one of the greatest shots ever in the history of this genre, which is you're, you know, I don't know if any of you out there have seen the movie, but the whole idea is that it's a cabin in the woods and these kids go and the whole thing is they have to appease the gods of, of some ancient gods by killing people and they do it in all the different ways that happen, you know, all the different genre ways uh, that occur in the cabin in the woods. So there's all sorts of references to Hellraiser and arachnophobia and, and them and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and there is one moment in the movie when they get into the facility that is underneath the cabin uh, and they unleash all the evil creatures that are hidden within it and these poor security guards who are just trying to do their job are all at once killed by every single possible creature you could imagine. Giant spiders, werewolves, ghosts, Samara from the ring, the Hellraiser guys, the Cenobites, that's what they're called. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible shot. And also, last thing I'll say, it has Sigourney Weaver. And who doesn't love Sigourney Weaver? There, Cabin in the Woods. Sorry, guys, I took it. Yeah, no, great pick. That that would have been my next one had, had you not just grabbed it. So yep, same. Good, here. good to get it when you did. Uh, <laughs> yep, it's the yeah. first one I wrote down actually. Also, <laughs> best opening title like ever. Oh yeah, when the opening title shows up, it's terrifying and hilarious, wonderful. Because it's like pure comedy up to that point. It's just uh, Bradley Whitford and and oh god, John. what's his face driving along on the. Richard Jenkins. Card. Richard Jenkins, and it was yeah. yeah, and it just slams on screen, and if if I recall correctly, and it's huge, just huge block letters covers the whole screen, freeze frames. Oh my god, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I watched, and every once in a while, this this will happen where I'll start a movie, and I have such a 
notion for what the movie is going to be. But then when it starts with Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins driving around this like <laughs> high, you know, security facility, I'm like, is this the right? Is this the right movie? <laughs> this, 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 this doesn't seem like what I what I signed up for. But okay. was, this, was this like a mess up at the factory? <laughs> like when no. they were like ripping these? And then yes, of course. Then you get the title scene. So I'm like, okay, all right, good. This will all this will all you know come yeah. together. And and not unlike this is the end. I think it's another movie too that completely commits to its concept. I mm-hmm. I, I I don't know about you guys, but I really I can't stand movies where there's like this you know. It, if the, if the bad guy succeeds in his plan, he's going to unleash the blood god, or he's, he's going to, you know, the apocalypse is going to begin, or the moon is going to crash into the earth, or something like that, and then the bad, the good guys at the last second always read some incantation, or close some stupid door, or something like that, and the bad thing doesn't happen. Well, in both This is the End and in The Cabin of the Woods, they lose! <laughs> and the gods come out, and they fuck shit up! It's great! <laughs> Do you, do you have a thing for very bleak endings like that, Matt? Because both of those are now drafted by you. No, it's not. It's it's. It has nothing to do with the bleak ending. It has to do with I've seen so many movies like this mm. that, like, you know what I haven't seen? I haven't seen the good guys lose. It doesn't happen often. So when it does, it's like, whoa, great. Yeah, I mean, you... I'm sorry. I feel so bad for all of you, <laughs> but you lost. Terrific. Yeah. I'm surprised. That's what it is. It's the surprise. Gotcha. The subversion. It's, it's the unexpected. Yeah. yeah. I see. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, okay, I'm on the board. I'm scrambling a little bit because you took what I would have taken here. Um, I'm going to throw a pick out here, and I don't know if the commission is going to allow it oh, because I'm it's ready. definitely a satire. However, I'd argue it's also, yes, thank you. Oh, gosh, I've watched enough Trailer Trash TV. I know I should put a comma after, however. That's our catchphrase. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that and as an editor. As an editor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, I think it is very horrific for being a satire, and it's very bloody and gory to the point that it got an NC-17 rating, Ooh. and that is... American Psycho. But I know I need commission approval. I don't know. I'm throwing it out there. Look, I have plenty of other picks, Commission, if you're going to veto it. Don't feel bad. If, you, if gonna, you fully think no. I'm not going to veto it. I'm not going to okay. veto it. Because it is very funny. Yeah. Uh, my, 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 my hesitation face is just because I read the book. Mm. I, I actually, I had a, I had a project in school. I, I took film studies two years in a row in high school because, you know, I didn't want to take another math class. Fuck that shit. Um, and uh, one of the projects was uh, about, you know, writing a paper on adaptations, pick a book, pick a movie, write a paper about the, the comparisons between the two. So uh, I don't know if you've read American Psycho, but it is excessive yeah. to the point where it's like, I don't know if I should read this. Mm. And the movie is would may as well just have a PG rating compared to the book. Yeah. Uh, and that's my only hesitation is like, yeah, my memory of the movie is like, I hate to be that guy. I hate these people. I hate them so much because it's so smug and stupid, but book was better. Oh, interesting. Because I'd actually argue, I think the movie is better. Okay. Not, not specifically for the reasons you're saying, but I mean, 
I do agree. I mean, it, it's, it's such like, it's so difficult to make it through that book because of how excessive it is and how like visceral and like disturbing so much of what happens in it is. Not to say that the things in the movie that happen are not visceral and disturbing. I think it is. That's why it has an NC-17 rating. And I agree though, compared to the book, it is essentially a PG. Um, but I think that the movie is just a bit more cohesive it has so many elements of the books, but it's not as rambly. It doesn't like, it, it really nails the story and nails the tone and nails like what it's going for in a much more cohesive package and more streamlined package that I think the book doesn't bring to the table. Which, I mean, granted, that's like the benefit of books. They can be 400, 500, 700, 1300 pages long if you're Stephen freaking King, uh, you know. <laughs> um, but I'd actually argue, and I'm beginning to feel this more and more and more as I get older, that brevity and being able to tell a movie, tell a story in 90 minutes to two hours, uh, but really honestly closer to that 90 minutes, is so much almost more challenging because you have to uh, really go in with like a cohesive idea for what your story is and nail those beats and not like try to just expand everything and give yourself that, you know, extra leeway to you know whether it's exposition or whether it's trying to really nail home like points you really have to have a lot of confidence in yourself as a storyteller and as an artist to be able to come in tell your story and get out and not feel like you need to keep going on and on and hitting your points so that that's my thought on it yeah i mean i i, I would say that the movie has a plot whereas mm -hmm. the book does not yes and it's and, and you know all those elements are there in the book and the movie does a very you know, it does a very good job of taking those things and trying to string it in a way that it has a, a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, and I will give the movie credit. There are whole chapters in the book dedicated to the history of Huey Lewis in the news, mm -hmm. which honestly, like I read the first couple of those chapters, but eventually I was just like, oh, what? Yeah. I, I, I skipped those chapters altogether because it's like, this is not, I, this is stupid. However, mm -hmm. then the movie comes along and that Huey Lewis in the news stuff comes up but in a very comedic way, because he's like, if, correct me if I'm wrong, um, he has a girl over and he's telling her about Huey Lewis in the news while he's putting on like the rain jacket and getting the axe and everything like that, ready to kill her, right? Well, he definitely does it in the Paul Allen. I'm trying to remember exactly what he's saying in the, in the scene where the, 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 the woman's over. Isn't it his, I haven't seen the movie. It's, it's Chloe Sevigny, it's like his assistant and he's going to kill her and then he stops and stops himself sure. from like shooting okay. her in the head with a nail gun. But gotcha. the Paul, he's definitely talking about Huey Lewis on the news when he has Paul Allen, uh, Jared Leto over. Cause uh, he's like, he's really upbeat and he's like behind yeah, him exactly. doing all exactly. that dancing. So, so, yeah, and, and, and like, and, oh, but if you listen to the lyrics, you know, like that kind of spiel. Yeah. And then he goes, but, uh, hey, Paul. <laughs> and then kills him, yeah. yeah. No, so, okay, I did not read the book as comedic, but the mm -hmm. movie definitely turns those moments into comedy. And, you know, A, maybe I read it wrong, but B, yeah, no, it's funny. It, 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 it shows me a side of the novel that I did not pick up on. Uh, and yeah, as Kamish, good choice. Good choice. Oh, I appreciate that. Nick, you're up with your fourth round pick and then the first pick of the fifth round. Yeah, let's which is, consult which is the list. The, the final round, right? Yes. So would you uh, say this is the do 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 final countdown? I, yes. Do 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 do? 
I think that's all we could legally have you say. We don't have any money behind this. We can't no. get sued. And once again, sure. I'm, hear, I'm hearing from our producers, I am fired again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This is tough. Weirdly, I'm left with more choices than I, like, I was really struggling in the beginning, and now I feel like the struggle is picking from all of these remaining movies that I really think could fit on here. Um, man, there's two that I think I'm going to have to leave out that I'm kind of bummed about, but Brantley, I'm going to go with my heart. Nice. Yep. I got to do it. Um, I'm not going with what I think people want to hear. I'm going with what I think. Um, and maybe it's just because I've seen these movies more recently, but uh, the first one I'm going to go with is Housebound. Uh, Housebound. I'm not familiar with this movie. Oh, great movie. Housebound is a fantastic movie. Um, It is a New Zealand filmmaker, I believe. I'm shocked. A good horror film from New Zealand? Never heard of it. Yeah, I'm not sure if... um, (laughs) Not sure if Peter Jackson was involved in producing it, but I know he, like, he championed it, I think, early on. Um, Is this the one by... Gerard Johnstone from 2014. That sounds right. I have it. I could go check. It's right there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, 2014 sounds right. Yeah, because that's when I saw it. Essentially, 2014, 2015. Um, yeah, that's another one. I'm not sure how easy it is to find on Blu-ray, but like as soon as I saw it, I think it was streaming on Netflix at the time. Uh, I had to pick it up, so I got the that copy, and uh, and it's just it was. It's one of those movies where I knew nothing about it and then I saw it while I was scrolling through Netflix, I think, um, and had not read any like pre-release buzz or whatever. And uh, I read the description and I was like, that sounds like something I probably would enjoy. Let's try it. And was like totally glued to it the whole time. And it's it's genuinely funny. And it's actually one of the few horror comedies that I think is incredibly creepy as well. Um, the, the, the premise of it is creepy. The execution, especially in a few scenes, uh, really kind of chilling um but then there's these like it's funny throughout but there's like a few moments that are just so laugh out loud funny like you just i'm not going to spoil anything you should you should watch it but i would definitely say it's a horror comedy it leans way more towards horror i think but the i mean before we did this i I was like looking up horror comedies and and lists of the best ones in the last 10 years or whatever and it showed up on a few lists so i feel like somewhat I mean, Matt, you can veto it, but since you didn't know what it was, I'm going to go with I'm not, No, I'm not going to veto it. If it's, if it's su- supported by, according to the poster, Sir Peter Jackson, then exactly. I must allow it. I must. It is. I, yeah, I, if it's, I'm not sure. I think it's on Shudder. It, it was on Netflix when I saw it. So, I mean, ch- check it out. Like, seriously, check it out if you have a chance. It's really, really, really good. Um, and having the quote from Peter Jackson, I think, is, is fitting because it, in, in some ways, reminds me of, Maybe it's just the accents, but I don't think so. Um, yeah, it reminds me of his body of work in, in in some respects. But anyway, really, really good. I cannot recommend that movie enough. And it was a huge sort of like surprise to me. One of those few movies. And actually, my next choice is going to be the same sort of thing. Um, I'm going to go suspense. Yeah, no, I'm going with. Um... Oh wait, 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 before we before we move on, I I feel like perhaps we. Uh... Are doing uh, as Kabisha, I feel we're doing the listeners a, a disservice. Um, we should tell people what Housebound is about. Should we? Is it okay if I read the IMDb description? Yeah, please. I mean, yeah. 
Okay, here we go. I'm going to do my best, my best scratch VO. Here we go. A young woman is forced to return to her childhood home after being placed under house arrest, where she suspects that something evil may be lurking. That's actually a decent description because it doesn't ruin anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like the, you can probably, apart from the house arrest thing, I mean, that probably fits 90% of the horror genre. But um, <laughs> yeah, great, great movie. I, I don't want to say any more, but it's a really, really a huge, one of the most pleasant surprises I've had, I think, in this category for like in the last 10 years. Um, and the next uh, one. I, mean, I want to, I'm, I'm going to watch it as soon as I can. Please do, and then let me know what it. Yeah, what you thought. Um, yeah, I'm interested in checking it out too. Yeah, please do. I, w- I want to talk to you guys about it. In fact, I it's been a couple of years, so I'm going to rewatch it maybe tonight too. Um, <laughs> but uh, we got we, we got to watch Idle Hands first. That comes first. We do have to watch Idle Hands first. That's been a, even longer. I don't think I've seen that since was a '99 movie. So I probably saw it in 2000 when it came out on video yeah, I think or whatever. '99, yeah, like So that. Jesus, That's yeah, right. it's been 21 yeah. years. So time to revisit that. My memory of that movie can drink now legally. <laughs> so. And there we go. We're going to go full circle. Nick is That's, funnier than I ever could hope to be. That is not true. But Nick, I'm glad you... I'm glad <laughs> never, you would have, never would have come up with something that funny <laughs> off the top of my own head. All I got is voices. Hey, oh, oh. Not true. Matt, Matt will come up with plenty. Um, okay. I'm going to round out my list with another movie that I found on a streaming service having heard nothing about it, went in blind and was very pleasantly surprised in, in a very similar, I think, fashion to my feelings on Housebound. Um, the movie, well, the service is Shudder because it's a, I think it's a Shudder exclusive and the movie is uh, Vicious Fun, which um, I think, right. apparently you've seen that, right? Yep, um, I saw that. I just was, I don't, maybe it's not a horror movie i mean it plays on horror tropes for sure um and it's got some like horror elements and it's violent first like no question it's violent and like i think it should count but i would also understand if someone just said flat out i think it's mostly a comedy and it is genuinely funny um i don't know how you felt brantley but no i i would say it's a pretty solidly down the middle horror comedy because there was when he's in oh god i don't want to say anything to ruin it because it's still pretty new but it is new when he's surrounded by all of these other people yeah yeah you know that's genuinely scary and you know he does no very little skills to defend himself basically (laughs) it is really intense actually in a weird way even though it's played for laughs there's there's a serious like palpable tension i remember being like kind of like literally on the edge of my seat watching those those sequences and then it i mean it's funny in the beginning and through that point that we're discussing now, but that's like, you know, there's like a a major beat at around that point, maybe Mm -hmm. in like the halfway mark or so where it really changes direction. Um, And, uh, and the second, the the second half is like equally as funny. um, If not more so Uh, there's a couple like really slapstick characters that come in uh, at the police station. Um, Spoiler alert. but um yeah anyway sorry it's a it's a more recent pick so i i think you're right really we shouldn't say much about it but uh it is on shutter it Mm -hmm. is absolutely worth your time i think if you have shutter um i would check it out and um that rounds out my list so yeah hooray 
I, I have not seen the film, so as commission, I will allow it. Hooray. Uh, this is one of the few movies that my brother-in-law, also named Matt, but not as good, lesser Matt, mm-hmm. uh, he actually texted me and he said, hey, have you seen Vicious Fun? And I said, no. He's like, you got to see it. That doesn't happen often. So mm-hmm. I got to see it. Oh, you, yeah, definitely. Awesome. All right. Uh, okay, so my last pick. Uh, I think all of my picks are roughly 20-ish years old or older, Bubba Hotep being the newest. And um, I actually think there's been a decent amount of good horror comedies that have come out in the past five or six years. So I'm going to take a more recent movie um, for my final pick. Um, I'm going to take the first Happy Death Day. It's essentially, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's Groundhog Day, except she's being... (laughs) chased by a murderous serial killer who's trying to kill her and every time she dies she just wakes up the next morning and has to basically live her day in a way that she survives and and gets out of the time loop um i had very low expectations going into it and ended up really enjoying it and thought it was a lot of fun i thought a lot of the uh, horror worked well but also a lot of the comedy worked really well um you know we haven't said mick garris's famous quote about horror comedies which is that they're usually neither scary or funny. Uh, so they generally, like, he's not a big fan of them. And I, I agree with that to, to a point, because I think the vast majority don't do either well. But I thought Happy Death Day did both extremely well. Um, have either of you seen, seen that one? I have, I have not, not, but yeah. I very much want okay. to. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, his, uh, one of his subsequent films, though, the, uh, Christopher uh, Landon, uh, is on my list, which... Ooh. We'll talk about it. Nice. Well, I'm assuming that's allowed, Kamesh. If you haven't seen it, you aren't going to be vetoing it. Based on the fact that one of his other films is on my list, I will allow Happy Death Day because I can only assume that it is extraordinarily similar in tone and execution. Okay, excellent. Well, then that just leaves you, Commissioner, to round out this draft with your final pick. Okay, okay. So uh, we are down to our final pick. And I have to say, I have on my list one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight other movies that I would put on my uh, lineup. However, uh, in thinking about the value of this podcast to the greater public, uh, I think uh, mainly inspired mostly due to both of you fine gentlemen who have mentioned films that I have not seen yet, nor in some cases have even heard of, I would be remiss if I did not pick uh, a film that, while I can't morally get behind it completely, I think it is worth seeing if you do enjoy the horror comedy genre. Uh, it was not on my list, but I, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep that in there as a wild card in case I need it. And you know what? I'm going to pull the wild card. My last pick is The Greasy Strangler. Interesting, because I remember hearing you on a separate podcast being not a big fan of this movie. So I'm very surprised to hear you pick it with your final pick. Well, uh, no, I was not. And again, remember, I I said I can't morally completely get behind this movie. But yes, on that other podcast, the only podcast about movies, Asterix, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a great podcast. I've been on it a few times. It's a fantastic uh, podcast. You guys should listen to it. in the two and a half years since then, I can't stop thinking about The Greasy Strangler. It is very, very funny in a Adult Swim kind of way. 
where there are lots of things that are like just fucking weird for the sake of being fucking weird, but they are legitimately funny. Um, and also it's not exactly scary, but it is so disgusting and so disturbing. And the characters in it are like definitely the underbelly of society type of characters that it had, it has stuck with me as a result in a way that, yeah, kind of scares me. So I'm sorry, I'm going to go with the Greasy Strangler. And for those of you who have not seen the Greasy Strangler, it is about a character named the Greasy Strangler who is, who covers himself in grease and goes out and strangles people. But the main story is about the Greasy Strangler and his son, because there is very little, uh, there's, there's very little um, mystery as to who the Greasy Strangler is, because in every scene he's talking about how much he likes grease and he wants his food cooked with extra grease, make sure it's super greasy. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, about a father and son who uh, run a disco walking tour of LA uh, and they are uh, fighting over the love of a woman um, while, of course, the Greasy Strangler is out committing murders. So that's my I've not seen that. But I, I, I saw that appear on a lot of lists. And I've also heard, and maybe it was from you, I can't remember, um, how off-putting that film was, <laughs> which has made me want to see it a lot, actually. Yep, yep. It oh, is, funny. It is... After hearing you on the podcast, I was like, oh, good, I don't need to watch this. <laughs> my tolerance for off-putting, like, really, you know, messed up movies has really gone down as I've gotten older. I, I would watch those in my teens and early 20s. Now, uh, I'm not going to seek them out. <laughs> Look, I'm, it's, it's in my lineup, but I'm not saying that I'm recommending it. <laughs> I'm just saying... If you are looking for something that's off the beaten path that falls into the horror comedy genre, you might like it. All right. I don't know. It's like uh, it's like an anchovy, you know. An generally, taste. generally, it's not a pleasing thing, taste, anything. But under the right circumstances, you might like it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a good we, sell, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. I, I'll, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, with that final pick, that wraps up the horror comedy draft on horror drafts. Uh, let's see. Uh, in the first round, Nick, you took Evil Dead Two. In the second round, you took One Cut of the Dead. In the third round, you took Tucker and Dale versus Evil. In the fourth round, you took Housebound. And for your last pick, you took Vicious Fun. I took Tremors in the first round, Bubba Hotep in the second round, Idle Hands in the third round, American Psycho in the fourth, and Happy Death Day in the fifth. Matt, you took Army of Darkness in the first round, This is the End in the second round, The Frighteners in the third round, Cabin in the Woods in the fourth round, and you topped it all off with the Greasy Strangler <laughs> with your final pick. Mm -hmm. uh, extra, extra helping of Grease on top. Yes, that will conclude the draft, but that just means we get to move into post-draft analysis. Uh, we're going to start with our undrafted free agents, basically our honorable mentions, who we would try to sign to our team after the draft has ended to uh, really fill out our roster. I have a lot. I don't know how many you guys have, but I have a ton on here. Fair amount, yeah. I, I have, I have the, the eight or so that I mentioned. Right. Okay. Many, many, many more, but I'm not going to mention my backups. Um, the big one I'm surprised didn't get drafted is Return of the Living Dead. I thought maybe that would have been taken by one of you two there, and that's definitely a, a, a big 
horror comedy that I think a lot of people really, really love. Haven't seen it. I, really? I yeah, I saw it on a lot of lists too. I, I do love that movie. Um, I never viewed it as a horror comedy, although I know it's really funny. But like, I saw that in high school for the first time when I was like really... I had just seen Night of the Living Dead. I had just seen a bunch of, you know, like I was just getting into horror. I was young enough to to be like, okay, it's gory, so it's a horror film, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I I think, and I've watched it a million times since, of course, but like, I I still don't even, I don't know why I don't classify it as a, what I remember about the sequels are comedic elements, for sure. Um, particularly two, uh, which I hated. Um, I know people have fond memories for both. Anyway, yes, I am surprised that wasn't picked too, but I just, I can't, in my mind, it's just not a horror comedy, even though it's, I know it so clearly is. It just has never felt that way for me. Isn't, the one, isn't that the one that's like an, an unofficial sequel to Night of the Living Dead? They were sued, I think. Uh, Dan O'Bannon, who wrote and directed it, I think was sued because it mentions Night of the Living Dead, I think, by name, right? In the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. The whole premise is that Night of the Living Dead was like essentially based on a true story. Is that... It's been a while since I've seen it. I'm pretty sure. Doesn't I, it mention I don't that? recall. No, I don't. I don't recall. I, I don't. Man, it's been a while since I watched it, and I, I like the movie, but it's not like super. Uh, it wasn't super high on my list, so I don't. I don't recall exactly. Let me see. Again, never seen it. <laughs> I was surprised, honestly. I I kind of figured someone, if we get any comments, is gonna say something about Shaun of the Dead not being picked, because I think, and a lot of viewers viewers listeners minds and a lot of people's minds um you know within the last 15 or 20 years that kind of that's that might be the perfect horror comedy um to me it was just a straight comedy that just happens to be in a zombie apocalypse you know well not even in a apocalypse, but just when zombies have kind of entered the picture I, I didn't there wasn't a lot of horror in that for me no and it gets I, it's like it was also strangely emotional like in this back half like in a weird way that makes me mm-hmm. almost like it almost dampens the comedy can i can i say on on that very same point i am actually proud i'm gonna get i'm fuck i'm gonna get so skewered that's it i'm gonna lose all street cred right now <laughs> but i'm actually incredibly proud that not a single one of us picked Shaun of the dead because that is where i think Shaun of the dead fails mm-hmm. is that it is incredibly funny but then gets so emotional and heartbreaking in its last act that I think it completely undoes all the goodwill that it had before that point. I totally agree. Yeah. And I don't think enough people discuss, like if I had to pick a horror comedy um, from Edgar Wright, I would pick hot fuzz, even though it's clearly not a horror movie. Like I know it's supposed to be an action send up, but the elements of horror in that movie are stronger. Yeah, Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. And I also think it's in some ways pretty like maybe funnier. Yeah. Um, Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I was like, uh, yeah, that, that's like, it gets so emotional in that last act in the bar, especially with the mom that like when they go for more jokes later, I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. You lost me. I'm still crying from the last scene. This yeah. isn't funny anymore. Exactly. <laughs> still, uh, let, let it be known though. So I'm not completely skewered by the, the, the nerd verse. Son of the Dead is a good movie. I would still say it's like A minus mm-hmm. B plus just, not a success, not a completely successful horror comedy. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it too. I think it's a great, great movie. Yeah, but yeah, it's just straight comedy to me. It, you know, doesn't have the horror to make it this list. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, we're all yeah. in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, I was a little surprised. I, I thought someone would have, would have taken it, but that's interesting to realize we were all on the same page there even before the draft. 
Terrific. Great minds. Think alike. Yes. Yep. I mean, along those same lines, like I couldn't, I must, as much as I love it, I couldn't draft Elvira and Mistress of the Dark either. Cause to me, that's just, again, it's just, it's more just a straight comedy that has, you know, a couple horror elements to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really fit in. It's similar to like Zombieland too, you know, that's just a comedy with zombies in it as well. That's why. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then the subgenre I was thinking about was creature features. Like I was thinking, I was like, oh man, there are so many like Lake Placid, Arachnophobia, Piranha 3D, like Arachno- you know. Arachnophobia is on my on my list. Yeah, um, and, oh, nice. and every one of those little tiny creature ones, from gremlins to uh, munchies to ghoulies to critters, like you know, lest, all of those. Lest, like. lest we forget eight legged freaks, which I think not freaks. enough people talk about. That would be yes. awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of creature features, although the only one that made my list was my favorite of them all, which is Tremors. Good pick. It's interesting. Good pick. I, yeah, you're right. Yeah. There are a lot of creature features in that subgenre. Yeah. Um, you know, well, because we're, we're going to talk about our follow-up draft picks, but just because its name was invoked. Uh, arachnophobia, I might have put a little higher on, but I don't remember how funny it is because it is it is one of the few movies that I think just scared me to my core. I like, I find it hard to watch that movie because spiders really freak me the fuck out. Mm. And that movie is so scary. Like Roger Ebert wrote in his review of eight legged freaks that eight legged freaks is successful because the spiders are big and that's why they're scary. Whereas arachnophobia is not because the spiders are small and they're not scary. And I'm like, what are you talking (laughs) about? The smaller they are, the scarier they are. And the spiders in arachnophobia, I think it's one bite and you're dead within like an instant. So like, no, that's even, that's like, I don't, I already don't want them to touch me, but like if they can touch me and kill me instantaneously, no, thank you. I've never seen eight-legged freaks, but like from what I remember of the cover, those spiders couldn't just fit in your basement, which is what I hate about spiders. (laughs) (laughs) They're not, they're not in your shoe. Right, exactly. I, ch- I don't know about you guys, but I check my shoes every single time before I put them on. I want to make sure there's no spiders in there. Spiders, yeah. Yeah. Now, I definitely do with the boots that I keep in the garage. I always check those, yep. jam my feet in them. Give, uh, give it the, the violent hit against the wall to make sure everything falls out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else? What else did you guys have? Do you have any other, uh, any uh, other ones? I can, I can run through my list very, very quickly and sure. efficiently. Yeah. Uh, so strangely enough, I had Zombieland as my next pick. I picked oh. the Greasy Strangler over Zombieland. Interesting. Um, but I think I picked it because you're right. Yeah, Zombieland is definitely, might even be 80-20% mm-hmm. you know, comedy versus horror film. But God, I just, I love it so much. Yeah, it's, fun. it's so funny. It's so touching. The performances are so great. It's a fun adventure movie. It takes, it takes my favorite aspect of zombie movies, which is the earth is, it's just a cursed earth and anything, you can do anything. There's no rules. There's no laws. You can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can steal whatever you want. You can ride whatever you want. Uh, and yeah, the, 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 they have fun with the best part of a zombie apocalypse, which to be fair, there are very few things about a, a zombie apocalypse that are fun. But the fact that you can drive on the wrong side of the highway in a Hummer you just stole sounds great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Death Becomes Her. Mm. Not, uh, not truly scary, but very, very funny. And I think uh, hits the body horror very nicely in a way that like pushes the bounds of like what visual effects were capable of doing at the time. Um, and also has such a bleak ending. 
which is, yeah, those women will live forever, but they'll live forever and continue to rot because they died. Uh, surprised that we didn't say dead alive or brain dead. They're, that's on my list, yeah. My backup list here. Yeah. Just great. I don't know if it, that, that is the definition of, of gore played for laughs. Yeah. I've never seen him. I've never seen any other movie where a character takes a lawnmower and uses it as a weapon in a room full of way too many zombies and it becomes a literal bloodbath. Uh, oh, so uh, death. Be- oh, sorry, Nick. I didn't want to. I don't want to railroad you. I, I no, this is you're going through character. List. Okay. No, I feel bad. No, it's, you're going through. I was just going to say, I think that be- I probably would have chosen Dead Alive if you hadn't picked the Frighteners. Not to like, not that we can't double dip on, you know, Peter Jackson. We did on Sam Raimi, but yeah. like, yeah, I think that was the defining factor in, in my last choice being Vicious Fun instead of Dead Alive. But yeah. That's fair. Uh, happy Death Day, Freaky. If you haven't seen Freaky, yeah. so, so fucking funny. I was between like, those two and I, yeah. I just went with Happy Death Day. Yeah. Freaky, I think, is honestly the funniest Vince Vaughn has been in more than a decade. And if you haven't mm-hmm. seen Freaky, and unfortunately it came out, it, it, it braves the COVID lockdown and went into theaters and nobody saw it. It's so good. Please see it. Uh, okay, I'll go very, very quickly for the, for the last ones because I've, I've not been efficient to this point. Uh, Krampus, great. Great Christmas. Uh, Krampus, Gremlins, same realm. In fact, I will say Krampus, next one, Gremlins 2. Better than Gremlins 1 because it's actually funny. Not that Gremlins 1 isn't funny, but Gremlins 2 is very, very funny and also is scary for a small child, not for adults, but for me as a small child, I, I stopped sleeping with my hand hanging over the side of the bed because I thought a gremlin would take it. <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters 2, because Ghostbusters 1, masterpiece, one of the greatest movies that's ever been made. However, Ghostbusters 2 is, I would argue, a scarier movie than Ghostbusters 1. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to see pink slime reaching out for me from my tub ever. Uh, Arachnophobia we talked about. Bride of Chucky, the best yeah. of the Chucky movies, because it is very funny and leans very hard into the comedy, but also is quite scary. And then the last one that I had on my list, Idle Hands, which we already talked about. Yeah. So there you go. Those are my, those are my, what, what, what did you call it? Second, second round draft pick, pick I, open, open free agents with the I, hockey, <laughs> hockey, hockey, hockey pucks. Soccer is, soccer is, you know, what we do, but football is what they do. I, I, now I'm just grasping the straws for jokes. <laughs> I don't mean to leave you hanging. I don't have, you know, uh, Improv training to to jump in. Oh, don't! That was not good improv. That was bad improv. I would have. <laughs> my uh, teachers would have been like, "And that's not how we do it." Please sit yeah. back down. Uh, undrafted free agents. That's undrafted what. free agents. Gotcha, yes. gotcha, gotcha. So basically, if they if they don't get drafted, they can sign with whatever team. You know, that's, that's at least how it works in the NFL. I don't know with the other leagues, but uh, yeah, and then it's basically a free for all of teams trying to sign all these guys who didn't get drafted, and that's what these picks are essentially. Well, there you uh, go. That's my list. Yeah, Nick, what did you have? Any others, man? Yeah, I have some. I'll just, I, I will also try and go through the list efficiently with maybe a little commentary. Um, Witching and Bitching is a is a great movie that I don't think enough people talk about. Never um, heard of it. Oh, it's it was actually I don't know if it still is on Netflix, but super super funny movie. Um, By the way, Nick, this this poster for Witching and Bitching is pretty awesome. It it does have a great poster. Very disturbing. 
Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. Um, I honestly don't remember how funny it was beyond like the first scene. It is clearly a, ho- a horror comedy. I don't remember it being that funny beyond uh, the first scene has one of the funniest moments in any horror comedy um, that I've ever seen. Uh, and I honestly, it's so funny that I can't remember what it was. Um, I just remember <laughs> at the time saying this is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. Um, witching and bitching. I put what we do in the shadows, but it's so clearly not a horror movie um, yeah. that I can't. It rest. has its moments that that was on, that was on my, my backup backup list. Yeah. It's, I mean, and it is, it's truly hilarious. So like yeah. for that reason, um, there's a movie called murder party, which, um, yeah, which I really liked. Um, same thing with, uh, what we do in the shadows, young Frankenstein, obviously not a horror movie, but like incredible. And, and yeah, I mean, Frankenstein, James Wells Frankenstein is obviously like a pinnacle of horror. So like, um, I, I think, yeah. Excuse me. It's pronounced Frankenstein. Frankenstein, right. In that, in that rest. James Wells Frankenstein and Mel Brooks's Frankenstein. Um, <laughs> but I think he used some of the same sets and even some of the same props um, mm-hmm. that James Will had used. So like for that reason alone, uh, I just can't separate that from, from a horror movie. Um, American Werewolf in London. Uh, Oh, yeah. See, that was as 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 commish. I would have I would have vetoed that one. Really? For which part, though? Not scary enough or not funny enough? Neither. It's not. It's not enough of either one. I would just veto it because I. It's very boring. Yeah, and also John as a person, like not necessarily as a filmmaker, but yeah, as a as a person. Quick side note: uh, I think I texted you about this, Nick. So I I watched uh, you know that show, the movies that made us. I watched the episode about coming to America. And like he talks about what happened with Twilight Zone on there, cool. and John, John Landis, he just seems like such a shithead, just yeah. a, sh- a human shithead. Exactly. Like yeah. he he's very unlikable. But anyway, continue. And also, his movies generally, coming to America aside, are visually flaccid. Oh, and, for and sure. American Werewolf in London is is certainly one of them. I would totally agree with that. Yes. Um, but for something about it is there's like, I don't know, maybe it was just like the age I saw it at. I'm not sure. Um, See, I would yeah. have said it just wasn't funny. I, I don't think there's really enough humor for it to qualify. I think it's way just more of a horror movie than a horror comedy. Yeah. I would definitely say, yeah, it's probably like maybe in that 80, 20 range. It does have some really funny moments to me. I think, I mean, the naked American man stole my balloon is a great line. <laughs> sure. Um, and clearly played for less, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, definitely not on my main list. But uh, what else? And it, let's let, let it be said though, landmark in makeup effects, and those yes. the makeup effects oh. are the reason to watch that movie. They are amazing for sure. That is true. Yes, and I think to your point, Matt, with a different filmmaker who had a better sense of visuals, they would have been even better. Okay. Um, yeah. That transformation sequence, since we're on the subject, is like obviously it's iconic. It's incredible. The makeup effects are wonderful, and I think it's been talked about. Uh, like part of what is so frightening about that sequence is that it's it's just it's a brightly lit room, and it's shot so matter of factly with like these really boring angles. And so, in that scene, I think that works. Yes. Um, but yeah, for the rest of the movie, not so much. Um, Reanimator, which was mentioned kind of in passing because of Jeffrey Combs, but mm-hmm. movie another one that I would say is not enough comedy to to really, but has some genuinely hilarious moments. 
Um, Bad Taste, if we were on the subject of right. Peter Jackson again. Cannibal the Musical, Ready or Not, maybe. And then yeah. two more. One was Society, which is the one that I was really thinking of when I said like the first hour I thought was like pretty garbage, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but it's redeemed by the, the ending, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this probably wouldn't have counted because it's not the full feature, but the, the very opening segment of Nightmare Cinema, the thing in, the thing in the woods, mm-hmm. um, does a great job on playing on expectation, like maybe second only to um, Cabin in the Woods in this case. I just like the expectation and, and the, the way that it turns it on its head is, is very well done in that. Can you, can you remind me of that? Because the, the, the sections of Nightmare Cinema that stick out to me are the, the David Slade section, which is one of a the greatest piece. things I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, the the spiders and the meteorite. That That's was the pretty, one. Oh, okay, yeah, that yeah. was super scary. So yeah, great. yeah, and genuinely funny because that, I mean that starts as a slasher movie, and you're like, clearly the slasher is the bad guy, and then it turns on its head, and he's trying to save everyone from those aliens that they forgot landed. <laughs> it's like amazing, great premise. Yeah. Very funny. Uh, that's it. Awesome. Uh, I had a bunch more too. I'm just going to shout out some of the kind of older classics, so to speak, that you guys haven't mentioned already. I'm glad you mentioned Society because that was on my list as well. Okay. But I mean, besides that turn where it just goes bonkers, I don't, I can't, <laughs> I can't put this on my list for it as a film in and of itself, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would say like Frankenhooker, April Fool's Day, um, uh, Night of the Comet, Night of the Creeps. Um, in my mind, I really love Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3. I know a lot of people don't like 3. I think 2 and 3 are they're sort of intentional camp in the way that Sleepaway Camp the first is unintentional camp. Right. And I know usually that doesn't work, but it really worked for me for both Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3. I really enjoy those sequels. Um, they know exactly what they are and they just like go for it and are like ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of mention a couple of the other, um, um, older kind of more classic, uh, horror comedies that didn't make the list, but there's like a bajillion other ones. So, uh, but w- w- we've talked enough about all these, uh, undrafted free agents. It's time now for the reach of the draft. Uh, I'm curious who you all think has the reach of the draft here. Who, who drafted something earlier than they needed to, because it would have been available in a later round, basically. I'm, I'm worried that my Bubba Hotep pick in the uh, second round might have been the reach of the draft if you didn't even have it on your list at all, Bronsdorf. I there is a I fucking spider in my basement right now. Ah! <laughs> I'm sorry. So what? That's what I'm talking about. This <laughs> is terrible. It's probably perfectly harmless. It's a tiny one. It is very harmless, and I'm ashamed to be afraid of it, but fucking spiders. Okay, it's gone. <laughs> sorry to interrupt. Anyway, I interrupted yeah. you, Bradley. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I fear that my picking Bubba Hotep in the second round is perhaps the reach of the, of the draft, because if Matt didn't have it on his list and it was far lower on yours, Nick, it sounds like I maybe could have picked it up uh, later in the draft. But is it a re- – I mean, because it was on my list, and I feel like if you – I mean, that, that was a, it's a fair assumption that it was probably going to be picked earlier. So I, I don't even know if I would call that a reach because I – Okay. I don't think I would have picked it that early, but mm-hmm. that's probably honestly, I don't know. Maybe I had the same thought you did. I didn't think it was going to get picked at all. Um, oh. So I was like, I guess I was surprised. I, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to pick it, um, but if I did, it probably would have been. So like, I was surprised that you that you picked it because I didn't think it was going to be on anyone else's list 
Um, although I should have guessed because I know Bruce Campbell and yeah. Yeah. Well, that was my fear. That's why I, I had idle hands above it. Like when I put them in order, it was like, okay, idle hands is definitely number two under tremors, but I picked Bubba Hotep thinking my two, uh, my my co-host and guest on here being such big uh, Evil Dead and Bruce Campbell fans would have had that higher on their list. So no, that's why. Yeah, I think uh, I w- wouldn't even call it a reach because I think that's a valid assumption. Gotcha. For I, sure. I, I don't know sports and I don't understand the concept of this. So whatever you guys say, I agree with. <laughs> okay. <No. laughs> do we uh, do we have a steal of the draft then? A steal of the draft is. You got a, a really good pick later in the draft than you expected it would have gone. Cabin in the Woods. That's, yes, uh, I that think I that Cabin definitively you have the steal of the draft getting Cabin yep. in the Woods in the fourth round. No I, I was surprised that went that late. Yep. Yeah, that's a definitive steal. Yeah, I don't think there's really any debate on that. that no. Uh, it is, uh, to, to, to quote another show about drafting, it is decided. <laughs> a good a good reference too <laughs> that's a show i should revisit sometime soon so funny so funny well that's going to wrap up this episode of the horror drafts podcast matt thank you so much for coming on uh thank you so much for for having me i'm 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 uh maybe a little ashamed that i asked if i could be on this show because i no. know that it's very it's very gauche <laughs> but i'm glad that i took the initiative because Somebody else probably would have had a horror comedy episode. And then what, what would I have talked about? Well, I am very glad you do because here's the thing. I, 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 I have been reaching out to people to guess and I feel kind of like a, like a bit of a jerk, like you know, trying to get people to come on our podcast sometimes. So <laughs> it's always nice to me, at least when the guests are like, hey, I'd love to come on and, and do it. So I was very happy you reached out. Well, I mean, like I talk about movies all day, but if I get to do it, you know, recreationally for fun, but also it's recorded for en masse people to, you know, worship me and my brilliance. And yes, of course, <laughs> I want to be a part of it. Well, By the way, right. uh, my, my recording currently has us at two hours and 20 minutes. So as a yeah. Peter Jackson fan, I hope that I have the longest episode of this show. Definitely. Might be. Yeah. <laughs> By yes, the way, I think- I, listening to, to the show, the comments that you've gotten from people saying that the show's too long, you know what I would say? Then don't listen. Yeah. It's not for you. The show's not for you, bro. That's how I feel too. And you know, it's nice having a couple of guests who have said that uh, that same thing. Like, uh, who cares if it's you know, just you know, pick it up later or whatever. Yeah. If you can't listen to it all at once, you know. If you don't I, enjoy it, then why are you listening? Yes, agree. Also, yeah. also, I don't look. I don't want to sound like a dick, but there's a, a modern invention called pause. And if you can't finish it, pause. And then when you get another free moment, press play. Of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Although I will say there are there's there's one podcast that shall not be named that I know is very popular and people love it. uh, And it's hosted by two very, very funny people. But I actually stopped listening to it because many of their episodes were more than three hours long. And I was like, no. I don't, I don't think also it wasn't an incredibly informative show. It was basically just two bitsters doing bits for three hours straight. And I was like, no. Hmm. I don't know if I need to listen to this. Okay, you'll have to tell me off the air. I had no yeah, idea for what it was, no. and I don't know if it's if it's accurate. I know <laughs> I I know one of the hosts, like I've worked with him before, and I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that because you know I might work okay. with him again. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I might um, be on his podcast someday. I don't know. 
There you go. Uh, speaking of other things, is there anything you would like to plug, uh, Matt, before we finish up the episode that people should check out about you? Everything that I'm working on right now is like deep in post and I couldn't say when it's going to come out. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I, sh I shot my first feature this past uh, summer called Perfectly Good Moment. Act one is being delivered to the director probably as we speak. Mm. Uh, the hope is that it will be finished and will come out sometime next year, but very good. I think uh, it's not done yet, but I think it's a very good movie, uh, starring Stephen Carlyle from Broadway's The Lion King, uh, and, uh, a young up and comer named Amanda Stern, who's been in a few things here and there, both very talented people, great concept. Uh, and then I'm working on a, a documentary that I've been working on for the last four years and maybe someday we'll finish it, but it's called Zelda. Uh, it's about a woman who lives in the uh, Orthodox uh, community in Crown Heights, and she makes wigs for the, the married women who live there. Because once you are married in that community, you must wear a wig and conceal your hair to everyone but your husband. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know when that'll come out, but I was working on the trailer for it today. That's really interesting. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Are we going to get any more trailer trash? We have some episodes that we've shot, but both Dave and myself uh, are very busy and the, it is a big show to, to put together because they're like, you know, almost 20 minute long episodes with lots of graphics and clips and stuff like that. So hmm. uh, it's a lot of work and we both get super busy and, and uh, yeah, Let, let's just say that it might be, might be like Atlanta where gotcha. uh, there are many years between seasons, but there, there will be a third season for sure. I'm glad you brought it up. Shout out to Amy Athnos, our Keene State College fellow alum, who was an Emmy-nominated uh, production designer, art director for, uh, for Atlanta that she worked on. Uh, so kudos to her and, and give her her flowers. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know if it's through this late. I'm like, what am I talking about? Hey, uh, no. For those not in the know, Amy Athnos is one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I feel like I'm not cool enough to be friends with her. I like, I, 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 no, I'm, I'm like, uh, what's, what's the better way to put it? It's, uh, I'm, I'm Wayne and Garth. I'm not worthy. I'm not oh, worthy okay. of oh, being okay. her friend. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I, she's, yeah. she's fantastic. And she also worked on the Fast and the Furious. Fate of the Furious, actually. Oh, yeah. She's worked on so many huge yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, anyway, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the Horror Dress Podcast. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us. And uh, next episode, folks, is TBD. We don't know. So you'll just have to come back and find out. The song you heard in this episode is You Are a Monster by Monroeville Music Center. It's being used under a CCBY Creative Commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org. If you'd like to hear more of Monroeville Music Center... You can find them on Bandcamp, their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at horrordrafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon.